So your first paper is LGBT. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. He's like, yeah, your first first paper is going to be like the most difficult and most controversial paper we've ever produced. Pride Month was coming around the corner, and this year's Pride Month was not like last year's. This like just massive. This was like ten times way, way bigger. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to another episode of the Prophetic Mentality Podcast. I am your host, Amr Mabrook, joined by my co-host, Munir. And we are rejoined by very special guest, Sheikh Mustafa Omar, one of the original seven that joined us for one of the most successful podcasts on our show. Glad to have you back, Sheikh. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah. Excellent. Alhamdulillah. Great to be here. Alhamdulillah. And, you know, we, we're just going to get right into it. It is Pride Month and we are sick of it. The abortion decision just came out and there's a lot of... Uh, uh, I don't know, maybe confusion or maybe there's like a rift between like the, the, the scholarly da'wah class about what's the, the different way, the different kinds of messaging that's going to come out. So these are the topics we're going to be addressing today. But let's get started with the LGBTQ. But before we get started, just so no one takes anything we say out of context, Munir, can you please quickly, as quick as you can, just give us like the Islamic, like just the summary <laughs> uh, of the. Because we, you'll give a more new. You're gonna give it like more fiqhi, but because we want to move beyond this, the okay. conversations beyond. F- we don't feelings. You're not sinful for. If you act on it, it's sinful. Okay, let's move on. Like no, give it a little sp- bit more. You had a little bit more to say. <laughs> what else is there at this point? Oh, if you believe it's halal, and you, and someone else. So even if someone else is acting on it, you're not the one who has these feelings, and someone else acts on it, you say that's okay. That's also haram, and it may, maybe terms for leaving the religion in some cases that's is that it i mean that's the biggest surface level i, I want okay. us to move beyond that part of the, oh, the wait, conversation wait, wait, wait. that's 24 seconds 24 seconds is is it was pretty much the summary that you needed for for we don't need a whole seminar we don't need i don't think it's a, we've been talking about this for years now mm. um so i think it's time that we the culture is way past that mm. i think the islamic position is very clear um Sheikh, you have put out three three khutbas, 2008, 2012, and I think another one in... Uh, this year. Just was it this last, year? Last yeah, week. yeah. Just a couple weeks ago. ago. Yeah. I couldn't find the 2008 one, okay. but I, I listened to the other two. Mashallah, you've been very consistent. All right, and We're going to link those down there. You're very consistent in what is how we should not support these kinds of actions and um, the negative consequences that they're having on the communi- community. So... Uh, would you say there's anything else we would need to add to Munir's statement? Like from high a fact, high level, high level, not the nuance, but the high level. High level, no. That's it, right? No, that's it. That's pretty much okay. it. Okay. So I am, this is this is no fault against you, but you were part of the Yaqeen, the, the Yaqeen panel that just happened like two weeks ago. Yes. I will be very frank and say I, I did not, I was not very... You thought it was like you thought. It I thought it was. I thought it was a little disappointing. I thought that 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 panel should have happened in 2015. The panel should have happened in 2000. So okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Before in two Yaqeen was founded. <laughs> okay, in 2000. But yeah. I think now, like that conversation, I think it's that it, what what at this point, it's like it's the cultural discussion, the societal impact that we're talking about, right? We understand it's haram, but what are we what are we doing as a Muslim community? to combat this ever-growing pressure, this ever-growing hegemony of uh, LGBTQ ideology. We had you on maybe three years ago, 
and you were talking about how this stuff was coming up in schools, people, people saying, uh, I'm a tree self. Um, you were homeschooling your kids, and even then you have to teach your kids these things, and you, you were doing, like, you were taking them to the park and like you would just read the curriculum so you would sign it off while they're swinging on the swing while they're yeah, swinging exactly. on that was like a suggestion that was given to me <laughs> by a christian who is the advisor for the homeschool curriculum yeah uh, see so, so it, it's like okay uh at what point are they just gonna say you can't you can't homeschool anymore or they're going to bring an lgbtq advisor to make sure that you're really drilling these points home because mm. this stuff can happen yeah right especially in california here i yeah. mean a lot of muslims a lot of muslims we live all over the united states but in california uh, uh the school districts here are very um progressive and 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 they have a lot of velocity when when they, when it comes to this stuff right mm. stroke of the pen done mm -hmm. boom you know next year your curriculum's all over yeah. uh, different so well, the, the good news, the flip side of that is, is this is, you're right, this is California, but that Supreme Court ruling on um, government funding being allowed for private schools, even religious schools, mm -hmm. that is, is very welcoming. So right? does that mean the IOK tuition will go down? That's, the IOK tuition is supposed to disappear, right? That's what's supposed to happen technically. You know, there, I, I was in uh, Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, I visited the masjid over there. It was so interesting. They have an Islamic school. And the Islamic school, anyone who lives around the area of the Islamic school within that, in that entire like, region of the city of Milwaukee, it's all paid for by a voucher program. So I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me that the Islamic school, every single child in the Islamic school gets government funding and they don't have to pay almost anything to have their kids to go to an Islamic school. And they're like, yeah. So the on. teachers are paid for by the... the the voucher and their benefits and all that everything, stuff. Everything, everything. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, well, what in the world? This is crazy. And I'm like, for everyone, he says, well, not everyone. Anyone who lives on this side of the border of the district or whatever, yeah, so how it, yeah, yeah, the yeah. district. So, so Muslims specifically try to buy housing and they up the housing because they know Muslims want to be on this side of the of, of the street. An address. So, yeah. so an address so that they can get into the voucher program and they can get their kids in Islamic school for free. So Muslims are willing to pay like, $200 additional rent per month to be in this address so that their Islamic school for all the kids is free. I'm like, this is amazing. Imagine if this was applied throughout the country. And this is exactly what the Supreme Court ruling had just opened the way for potentially. So yes, IOK could be free and Minaret could be free and all of these other ones, you know, some Islamic school I believe should be shut down anyways. You know, they sh shouldn't even exist in the first place. So it doesn't matter if they're free or not. But but the other ones, alhamdulillah, the ones who are teaching proper... You want to say who they are? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm this close. I think I'm you this should. Close, yeah. I think you know, should. I, so you've heard the stories. The, the thing is, I've heard the... I, I, I can't validate uh, the details of what go goes on over there, right? But I, I let me just put it this. Let me give some principles, right? If there's almost no Islam being taught in the school, if the majority of teachers are non-Muslims, doesn't matter if they have academics being really high, if the overwhelming majority of almost all girls in that school, regardless of what, you know, once they reach the age of hijab, none of them are wearing hijab, overwhelming majority of teachers uh, are not wearing hijab, they're not teaching Islamic principles, and they're not even praying Zohar prayer inside of the Islamic school. Or they let the girls lead it. Or yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I never heard oh, that. Oh, that's one. what Sheikh Sohil told us. I did not hear that. That's wow. his wording. Wow. They let the girls lead because they want them to uh, have wait, wait, lead, the, lead the boys too. Yes, lead the mixed congregation so that the girls understand that they are wow. leaders as well. I did not hear that. This is this is new. One of my one wow. of my wife's friends left because they chastised her for telling a girl to put on like a, 
like a scarf thing yeah. when yeah. it was time to pray. I, 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 I had heard a story similar to this. And then yeah. I think one of them was fired. Subhanallah. Yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah. So, so when you have stuff like that, assuming this can be verified, right? Those Islamic schools are, are they're not Islamic. They're, yeah. uh, we shouldn't even call them Muslim schools. We should just call them cultural schools. They're like, you know, it happened to be uh, w- schools where, where Muslims happen to come from. They're mm-hmm. like, teach a little bit. Of, I heard the Arabic curriculum is not even great anyways. So even the Arabic cr- curriculum was criticized. So I'm like, what's, well, what's the point of that? You can't, get, you can't even get the culture properly. So you got academics <laughs> there, but is it, I don't understand. Man. Yeah, man, don't we won't name them just yet because yeah. we're not faced. We're not going to, we can't just validate <laughs> things based on, based on <laughs> exactly. anecdotal evidence. Exactly. <laughs> but if you're coming to California and Southern California and you're like, I'm going to send my kids to a Muslim school, just reach out to myself, Munir, <laughs> Sheikh Mustafa, Sheikh Sohail, and we're going to let you know exactly which school to avoid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we could just leave it at that. Yeah. But yeah, so right now with the, with the, 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 we're talking about we're talking about uh, the hegemony and the speed in which California schools can indoctrinate everyone across the board with the schooling. Stuff, yeah. The schooling is one thing because right now I think Muslims are are more now talking about sending their kids to Islamic schools, putting their money in Islamic, full on Islamic institutions. Uh, homeschooling has been an option that is digru- discussed way more uh, often in our social circles. Um, but specifically on the point of the, the cultural pressure and the societal pressure, right? Because this is constantly having a, a, a negative consequence on the community. And there are actors within our community that are actively propagating these discussions. They prop up Muslim speakers. They, 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 they publicly endorse and and advocate for allyship within the LGBTQ community. And at the same time, they come to our masajid and they are giving khutbah, which is implicitly, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Endorsing? Endorsing, legitimizing their mm. position. Legitimize. So right now, there's a bifurcation happening within the da'wah class, mm. right? What is, like, where do you see this going? Because th- th- this, this, this road is at a divergence. It, it's like 10 years down the line, these same actors who are, have been very active and very close to us in the Muslim community, it's, it's going to come to a point where we can't just say anymore, but they've done so much great for us. They have served the community so greatly. Yes, they have. A lot of these people have done many good things, and, 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 and I'm sure they've gotten the reward with Allah, and we have recognized them. But at some point, what, at what point do you just have to put your foot down? And how do we put our foot down? And how do we do it? Firmly, but it like in a way where it's not like you don't want to be an extremist. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what what's the what's let, me, let me let me set an uh, approximate framework. Should we should we avoid names or should we just throw some names out? Here? Throw names. Okay, Bismillah. So I okay doesn't care. I sure don't care. Alhamdulillah. I don't okay. make my money from okay. this. Okay. So w- w- my understanding is what we're talking about here. We're talking about um, on the one hand we got Daniel Hakikat Jew and we got Muhammad Hijab, basically calling out. Scholars like Sheikh Yasser Qadi and Sheikh Omar Suleiman. Can we? Can we? Can we further like add some people? N- oh. No, no, no. <laughs> so Daniel, Daniel does it. it. Daniel has a methodology. Yes. Where it's just attack, attack, attack. Yes. Um, and he's gonna like Daniel's gonna call up the news media and and dig up old footage and they're gonna scour through thousands oh. of hours and they're gonna find the clips. I just heard Daniel flew. 
to the border of Mexico to actually he was the one with the camera in his hand filming Sheikh Omar Suleiman himself. I, I didn't realize I didn't know that someone just told me this uh, very solid that you know this you know this uh, ritual that was being done. Wait, I don't, says, no, I don't think he flew there. The some, some, someone uh, no Daniel said they contacted the news media. That's what I heard. Someone told me that he himself was actually filming. You're right. telling me that Omar Suleiman was standing right there. And he saw Daniel that, filming him. He didn't do nothing. That, that's 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 what I was just that told. Doesn't make, doesn't make any but, sense. Uh, that, uh, anyways, uh, I, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> sure. That's true. I thought I thought maybe you would know if that's if that's the case or not. Because there was a footage on like being zoomed in and all that. So I don't know if that's the case. Because I know that you can reach out to news. And, and then you can maybe request footage, archival footage for yeah. journalistic purposes. Mm. So maybe that's what happened. Mm. But I, I think Daniel, okay, if Daniel videotaped that himself, that would have been out a lot sooner. Because mm. it was years after. It, it was. After I think a year after, after or something. Like that. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So there, and there was multiple incidences. That's, I found that surprising, but... You know, it, that that just means that there's a vendetta, you know, but but anyways, you, I, I you really don't think it was. Him. OK, well, I really. Yeah, I really don't think it was him. either way. You're right. We we should differentiate between the, there's Daniel who's attack, attack, attack. Yep. Muhammad hijab has been his. He also has had a progression mm-hmm. where has he host. He has hosted Jonathan Brown, uh, Dr. Shadi al-Masri talking about the issue. Mm-hmm. And it was a very cordial. And Dr. Shadi has always been firm like this is haram. We right. should not support yeah. this. And Jonathan Brown's like, oh, you know, nuance. Uh, my my ratio position. Uh, uh, um, Lude did not talk about marriage. And it's kind of okay, you know. Yeah. Sure, all right, maybe. But now it's kind of like this is just awful and wrong. Mm. Um, but the, I, I don't listen to any of these people. By the way, I get informed from the community members. That I I just I didn't even know that these two people became so popular. Like oh, in okay. the last like two years or something. Well, like Muhammad Tijab has always been popular in the UK. Extremely in, popular in the Dawah scene. I've, I've known about him, but yeah. I didn't realize he all of a sudden like became popular across the board, like within the last two years or something. He's like very that. charismatic, great debater, has a lot of great scholars behind his back. Is always quick to rectify his mistakes publicly, mm. Mm. and uh, when he's put in check and is wronged, he 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 stands like he alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. So he has all the great characteristics of what a da'i should be. Uh, he he sometimes he he's, he has a little bit of a bravado. Right, and uh, some people don't like him for that, but yeah. you know, I think we need a little bit of that. Um, Muhammad Hijab comes at it from a different angle, he's more like these people have done great for our community, mm. we should respect the things they've done, all the positive things they've built. But this needs to be rectified. I saw his latest video in responding to the Yaqeen video yeah. that we did, yeah. So I've seen the, I've so seen yeah. the responses lately, got yeah. it. So that's one thing. So yeah. that's Muhammad Hijab and Daniel, yes. So you got that here, and then there's a critique of uh, these scholars. Top celebrity sheikhs like Omar Suleiman, Yasser Qadi. Yes, Primarily two. You guys, you could throw Jonathan Brown in there. JB, yeah. You could potentially throw Sherman Jackson in there. Uh, most people don't know about it, but he's one of the first people who said many years ago that Muslims don't have to uh, be against gay marriage in Prop 8 in the state of California. So he is one of the people who actually threw out the idea in the beginning. Right. And then we, we met with him, a, sco- a group of scholars here. He was at USC then. We talked to him about he his still position. Is. Huh? He still is, right? Oh, yeah, he's still, yeah, he's, yeah. Still, he's still at USC. Yeah. So when he had come recently, we came and we met with him and we discussed some of these issues. So he, he said, I was just mentioning that kind of um, in passing like as a, as a theoretical position. And he writes this in his book, uh, Islam and the Black American. It's in one of the footnotes. Mm. So actually, I, I believe, I don't know if this is direct or not, but I believe Jonathan Brown has some level of influence coming from his original uh, framing of the issue. Jonathan uh, Sherman Jackson's original framing of the issue. So if you if you put them kind of like here. Now okay. obviously he's he's af- 
modified his position significantly because I, and I, I talked to him on, on a personal level as well. He's very concerned for his kids. I mean, this is Dr. Jackson is a... He's a man's man. He, he's, he's a man's man. Yes, he's a man. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. He's a man's man. He is writing a manifesto, uh, like a nasiha or wasiya for his own children. It's like, if I pass away, this is what I want you to understand about the world that I've learned you know, over time. And he's going to discuss atheism. He's going to talk about liberalism. He's become just hardcore, just anti-liberalism in terms of the philosophy and the hegemony of liberalism. He's been writing about this for for a very long time. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. he just writes at such a high level. Yeah, that I'll, <laughs> like it takes me. It could take me months to like decipher. I'm just an average guy, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So that he speaks yeah. at that high level. Yes, yeah. yes. But uh, yeah, so so you yeah. have kind of like these scholars in the middle over here. We can call them the uh, popular scholars. We can call them the the nuanced scholars. Wh- whatever, whatever you want to call them, right? And I believe nuance is important, but uh, there's some controversial points we're, we're going to get into about what they're holding that yes. are being critiqued from the side. Yes. And then you got over here. You got the Ilhan Omar. You got the uh, I guess Rashida. The Rashida. You got the 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 uh, what's what's. What the, what's, what's I her he, name? I hear that Ingrid Madsen. Ingrid Madsen is off the recent uh, comments yeah. that just came out. You know about abortion. Well, yeah, and all Harma, that. Uh, uh, Muslim girl, yeah. uh, all anyone affiliated with Face. Um, right, Face. A Muslim girl. I'm not. I'm not really familiar with uh, that. Oh, Muslim. Okay, yeah. it's a publication for Muslim girls by Muslim girls, and they just they just talk about like, just think of the nastiest things that Western women do. They contextualize that for the Muslim girls and like how it's okay and like s- safe sex and consensual sex. Like that, it's all yeah. that same like nasty. Cosmopolitan for Cosmopolitan, but for Muslim, oh, girls. Okay. but they put a Muslim face on it. Muslim okay, face okay, on it. Okay, okay. Like they got yeah, that, that's that's them. Okay. And then uh, uh, Linda Sarsour, and yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's so about this it. This group over here. So you yeah. got this, and then you know many of the I don't know I don't know about Ingrid on the LGBT. I'm not sure what she says, but the the rest of them. There, you know, the videos of them, you know, at vi- pride parades, dancing with, uh, uh, what do you call it, like trans Tran- activists, uh, uh, dra- drag, drag, queens, queens, drag queens, you know, all of that stuff happening, right? Alhamdulillah. So, so what you got, and, and then <coughs> also to put in the middle, you got Ikna, Mass, Isna, you have these mainstream organizations that are trying to be this uh, uh, face of American Islam, right, or uh, American manifestation of Islam. And they're inviting different speakers, and they're like, "We want to be the balanced people. We want to deal with politics and politicians and all of that stuff." And you got activists again on the right side over here. Yeah. So if, we, if we kind of set up the playing field over here, right? This is kind of what we have. Um, LGBT topic, right? Yes. Okay. So LGBT, we got uh, the people. The traditional Muslim stance is, is described in 28 seconds, right? Okay, so this is this is clear. All <laughs> Muslims are here are w- when it comes to halal, haram, where we draw the line, this and that. I think there are. Ma- I think I think uh, you know. To to be honest, there are many Muslims who don't believe that the feelings are not haram, right? They actually believe that the feelings themselves are haram. So I think many Muslims are uh, you know not understanding that. Mm. differentiation so there should be a differentiation and some nuance there but regardless that doesn't affect the rest of these issues yeah that doesn't the feeling because we're not talking about feelings anymore yes yeah yeah we're talking about now we're talking about the the political my right to identify yeah yeah, yeah exactly. my right to be yeah, represented right That's right right exactly so so here we got this critique going on over here yes we got these people who are basically saying for political reasons we need to uh 
either support the lobby, tolerate the lobby, be quiet, not really stand up to them or something like that. I think that's what they're saying. Th- th- so, so here's the here's, middle group. This yeah. is not what they would have originally said had the lobby not been so powerful, had they not had such an I- vested uh, interest in trying to be in the public sphere and trying to be like the, you know, if they were just in their local masjid, it would be very different. So why, where, where does the vested interest come from? Who, who gave the, who gave the, the push for like, why do you want to just be in the public sphere? Here, here's what's, ha- I've spoken to both figures, right? We're talking about Sheikh Omar Salima and, and Sheikh Yasser Qadi. And saying the, the type of people that look up to us, the type of following that we have, right? A following is not the best word, but the type of people who look up to us for guidance, we're trying to give a very balanced message and we're trying to pull in people on this side and bring them to the middle of Islam. We're trying to pull people from this side, bring them into the middle of Islam. And there's not everyone who's going to be able to do that. Therefore, there's some level of caution, extra level of caution that we have to put into our speaking. It's not only Imam Siraj. Uh, he said that on, on just this issue in particular. Okay. right? I don't think he holds back on other issues. Shay Yasser Qadi is saying the same thing. Sheikh Omar Suleiman is saying the same thing. Now, I know what the critique is going to be. Right? I'm just I'm telling you what their position is. Okay. Their position is that, look, uh, especially Yasser Qadi. Yasser Qadi comes from a background where he was hardcore Salafi, right? He was... Uh, You're calling out Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, calling out any other big name Sheikh at the time, like this guy's... His Ulum al-Quran book, and I told this to him, man. I, I, I tell it to him many times. I said, I, I love your Ulum al-Quran book. In fact, I've taught it recently in many classes. But... Uh, 100 pages are dedicated to blasting the aqidah of the Ash'aris and saying that they're basically kafir, right? <laughs> and I'm like, and he's like, and I, I renounce all of that. stuff. So I said, but the rest of the book's fantastic. In fact, I think it's still one of the best ulum al-Quran books out there that you can even find. He goes, no, I, I don't even... I don't even have a copy of that. I don't recommend anyone ever even look at that book. It's just in the past, it's disappeared, right? I'm just like, well, you're trying to undo this old uh, personality that you had. And I believe that he's, you know, <coughs> he's, he's, try, he's trying so hard to flip the pendulum the other way. And I've told this many times. I'm very close to him. I believe he's a, a, a very knowledgeable person, uh, more knowledgeable than most scholars. I believe he's a very uh, intelligent person. And I believe he's a very sincere person as well. I mean, when you, you know, it's easy for people to watch a lecture and be like, well, why didn't he do this? Or why didn't he do that? When you spend time with people. And you travel with them, and you, you know, even if you live in a, like a hotel room, you have breakfast with them. You spend a lot of time. You get a different perception of who they are, right? This guy is not uh, playing around. I mean, he, he, he's he's a foodie. He likes to eat and stuff like that, you know. But outside outside of that, this guy is studying all the time. This guy is researching. This guy is thinking about the c- concerns of the ummah and everything like that. So he's a genuine person, and you know, one of the unique things about him. He was telling me that he he grew up privileged, Islamically privileged. I mean, he comes from a family of you know dawah, family of Islamically knowledgeable people. He was never into music. He was never into movies. He never went to any of that stuff. So on the one hand, he may be able to not relate to people because who go through that. But at the same time, he was he was a focused person. So, anyways, um, so what he's saying and what these people are saying is that look, uh, partly part, someone like him particularly, he's got this old personality and he's trying to reshape himself into something different but while doing that and this happens to a lot of people they go on the opposite they go on the other side right so if he's like i was overcorrection overcorrection exactly so he's like i was extreme salafi on this side so he's trying to keep himself away from this as much as possible but not he wants to be here everyone wants to be in the middle 
uh, everyone should want to be in the middle. But he's actually overcorrecting and, and drifting over here and not understanding, you know, not realizing that he has such a massive following. And what happens when you have a massive following, you don't have the privilege to sit there and be like, well, listen, guys, I'm going to keep changing my opinions over the next 10 years because I'm rebalancing myself. And what's going to happen is the people who are with him here and they see him moving over here, they're like, we disavow this person completely because we want to remain here. You, yeah, you, the old, the, uh, there's Salafis today who blast Yasser Qadi all the time. Salafitalk.com or whatever their website is, right? Uh, the, the whole thing is nonstop yeah. refutation of him, right? Yeah, that's fine. listen to yeah. a thing he's saying. But what I told him, I said, you know, if you're not firm, about some positions that you're taking, if, you're, <coughs> if you've not thought through these issues very properly, if you've not had proper peer review on, on certain issues, like the LGBT stance on the political frame, what should you do politically? Like the interview that he had with Linda Sorsor. Horrible interview. But right? it's not just that. There's statements from like 2012. Uh, uh, what, what, uh, why don't you highlight those statements? It, it was actually a, a comment from his Sira class about... Um, that we should support them politically. Oh, I did not know that. I mean, this just came out today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it just this came is, out this, this morning. Is, this has got to be uh, DH. DH just all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. So, so someone, yeah, someone I, mentioned it in I the say, comments. Let me see. This is what I say about this is what I say about Daniel. I, I know I know Daniel on a personal level too. Daniel. So people have been asking me lately. What do you think about Daniel and his rhetoric and this and that? I say Daniel is a fantastic investigative reporter. <laughs> That's what he is. He's a he's one of the best investigative reporters that I've come across, and he actually uncovers uh, things that the Muslim Ummah should know about. But then an investigative reporter, that's kind of where they end. And then the spin that they put on it, you should kind of avoid the rest of the spin. So I compare him as I compare him to like Glenn Greenwald, who ironically is gay. And <laughs> Daniel wouldn't like this comparison. But Glenn Greenwald is a very interesting person. He's a fantastic investigative reporter. It's like um, Project Veritas, if you know. No, I don't know. They're like also investigative reporters. They pull up a bunch of... Like they'll find things that you wouldn't like. How'd you oh, get okay, this? Okay, How'd you okay, get this? Okay. You know, like no. The reason I don't know, I don't know if you understand the connection between my selection of Glenn Re Glenn Greenwald in particular. You're not you're not aware. No, I'm not. Okay, Glenn, please clarify. Glenn Greenwald is an investigative reporter who started the Intercept. Right, he was like he had to leave the country. He was doing fantastic reporting, but he also happens to be gay. And not only that, Care Southern California invited Glenn Greenwald to be their keynote speaker several years back. This caused a massive problem in the Southern California Muslim community where many imams went to them and said, hey, you shouldn't be bringing someone who's overtly and openly gay uh, to <coughs> be your keynote speaker because he's kind of a representation of the gay community. And their response was, no, he's not a representation of the gay community. His reporting is fantastic. So we're bringing him as a reporter, not because of you know well, whatever he, else he's doing. He's not doing. talking about being gay. Right. But what you find is that many people actually had a major problem with care such that they had a complete fallout with care people because who, of because because of uh, bringing him on as a keynote speaker wow. which relates exactly back to what we're talking about at what level are you going to uh, what level should you be censoring the people who you invite to a, a banquet or something like that right um, so of course care banquet is very different than isna or ikna conference or something like that i mean now they bring ilha and omar without impunity like that. that's that's my point so we're, we're going to come back to this point about ikna president's yeah. comment on the no role care model just brought ilhan to irvine oh oh recently right now 
Yeah, it's like a two months yeah, ago. Yeah, this that happens regularly. You know, I, I, yeah, I'm yeah, aware. Yeah. I'm aware, right? But CARE <coughs> is a political organization. ICNA is is different. It, it has a different function, right? Mm-hmm. There's an ICNA conference, right? But so that's why I brought Glenn Greenwald okay. in particular. So he's a fantastic investigative reporter. Daniel is a fantastic investigative reporter. I believe that the stuff that he brings actually brings help helps uh, have conversations like this because probably maybe 70% of the content right, was uncovered by Daniel or at least spread by Daniel and helps us to kind of have a framework of, hey, should, is, should so-and-so have really said that? Now, his spin is really bad. I think he's taken it way too far, smear campaigns and all of that. But it's actually good to know because like, I, I didn't know that he, this was said in 2012 and I didn't know about this other thing and I didn't know about this water ritual that took place or whatever it is. These are good things for us to know and to learn from, uh, lessons ourselves. Hey, if I ever go to Interfaith, uh, you know, gathering again, I, I kind of toned it down. I don't have time for these things anymore. But if I do, if I see someone walking up with a bottle of water to me, yeah, I'm going thing. straight up jujitsu. Like this is, <laughs> as a, you know, two hand distance, right? Is that, is that consecrated or are you just, are you <laughs> exactly. just offering me water? <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to figure out what's, what's going on here. That water is not going to be touching my body. You know? So, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be careful about this. So I think, uh, I think there's value <laughs> to these discussions, but then there's also this smear campaign. So that, that I just wanted to clarify, you know, my, my stance on on some of these things. I forgot where we were though. No, that's fine. No, we, we we were we were saying there's Daniel Muhammad Hijab yeah. kind of criticizing. You have the the Dawa like leadership. You know, Omar Sulaiman, Yasser right, Qadi, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then we have like the the offboarding, the, the the ones who's just gone off the deep end. Yes. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I understand your characterization. I would, I would disagree with it slightly okay. in the sense that um, I don't think the ones in the middle are trying to pull anyone criticizing them into the middle. I think they're actively uh, calling them out as, like Muhammad Hijab is one thing. He's, he's, he's had positive conversations, but I think he's on track to be on Daniel Daniel's side where mm. he there he will be not invited anymore. L- let me clarify. When I said they're calling them in the middle, sorry, I, I didn't clarify. I'm not talking about the leaders. I'm talking about just the general masses. So what I think they're oh I, the general masses. I think what okay. they're trying to do. So let's take Sheikh Yasser Qadi is a good example. I think what he's trying to do is <coughs> he's trying to take the people who were like him in the past, who were like on the hardcore extreme Salafi side. Yeah, and he's trying to bring them kind of towards the middle. And he's trying to take those progressive Muslims as well who are like way out there and he's trying to like bring them closer to the middle. So that's kind of what they're trying to do with this narrative. And they're trying not to say statements that are going to directly offend either party. So he's going to be very cautious about, you know what, um, let's just say all of a sudden he changes his mind and he's like, you know what, he decides to be Maturidi. Let's say internally, right? He's not going to come out and say that openly. Right. He's going to be like, well, wait a minute. I'm trying to be this balanced voice. I'm going to lose these people. And she's like, well, let me, how can I frame this in a different way that I can kind of be that balancing figure for everyone? I'm saying this is the Nia. Okay. Yeah. This is the intention. This is the intention that's there. And I think people who are in a position uh, of like this much fame and this many followers, this is what's going on in their mind. They're like, you know what? Let's not make too many uh, overt statements which could potentially just alienate people where we can guide them slowly through a Sira class or a Tazkiyah class or something like that and kind of like bring them closer to Islam because people are running away from Islam. That's the mentality. Now, the flip side, 
The flip side is that that hasn't worked. <laughs> one, it hasn't. <laughs> one, it hasn't worked on a very large scale, right? Uh, and number two, it's like if people are confused about an issue, who are they going to get their guidance from? The person who's got a thousand followers or the person who has a million followers. Everyone's looking at you for guidance on how to navigate this issue. And if you're, if you say number one, I simply don't know. That's one thing. If you just stay quiet and you avoid the issue, then people are going to do what? They're going to go to everyone else and they're going to get their opinions from somebody else because you're not giving them, you know, the opinion that they that they need to hear. And that, that's they, well, a legitimate response. Okay. Sheikh, I, I, I don't think that... Maybe, and maybe it's just because I, I'm, I, I don't have a lot of knowledge. But I feel like you should never... If you're making a statement or if you want to make a decision and stand by something, it should just be because it's haq, right? You should, never, you should never be worried about the number of followers you will gain or lose. As, as long as you're being truthful, I think that's the only thing that matters. Okay. So if someone, has made, if someone has made statements in their past, I mean, clearly, if it's documented, this was said in this year, this was said in this year, this was said in this year, mm. and there's a track, and then now this comes into question. You can't just say, "Oh, my statement, my stance has always been clear." It's like, no, okay, okay. you've You're changed. About that. You know, I, no, no, I'm, yeah, I'm just I, saying. Like, I think it's just okay. Just I think it's just time that we just say, "All right, you know what? We made a mistake. We said these statements, and we disavow these statements, and now this is our new position, and we're going to work into something better." You can't just wash away what happened in the past. Right, so there need. That's why I'm saying there has to be like a like a hard line, like a, like a cutting of the rope kind of. I, like I, I agree with you. I agree with you 100 percent on that. And I, what I've advi- and I've advised both of these figures. Okay, I, I've advised both of them directly, and I said, look, once you reach the million follower mark, right, your people are following every word that you say. What what should happen is that anything that you've made a mistake in the past, right? And you uh, you agree and you admit that you made a mistake or you learned a lesson from it, whatever it is, there should be a public policy statement. Say, you know what, by the way, I made a mistake here and this is how I corrected it and this is what my current stance is or something like that on such a hot issue, yeah. right? Especially when you got, we're not talking about like 20, 30 people. We're not talking about a few hundred people. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of people are waiting for clarification on a certain issue and saying, you know what, you did this, you did that. It's being highlighted now, right? Once it's it, it's being highlighted, yes, you should respond, and the response should not be like what the media does. When the media makes a correction on some big news thing, they put it like in some little corner of some little back page or something like that. And and you know, one of one of these two, I'm not going to mention who. So yeah, I've made the responses. Look, there's there's a video clip here. It's like a one hour lecture. And then it's like a few minutes into like 47 minute of like this one random interview that didn't even have that many posts or something like that. Like that's not sufficient because when you get to the level of being that type of public figure, yes, it should be a much more clear correction of what your position is or clarification of what your position is. Uh, and that's what, that's what I suggest. I think that's the learned response from hanging out with too many politicians. I mean, for me, uh, ever since Donald Trump won, I spent a lot of time reading into politics and watching politics, <laughs> probably for the detriment of my own spirituality. But um, unfortunately, this is what politician does. They never say, I made a mistake. They always just say, when they're li- directly questioned, 
you said this in the year 2000, and now you are saying this. How do you reconcile these two statements? They will look you directly in the eye and say, I have always been very clear in my stance. Anyone who's ever listened to my lectures knows that I have always voted this way. And you're like, right? That's, so it's like, we're, well, I mean, we're re- Muslim. In right? reality, not only that, I mean, the thing is, I, in their mind, okay, they're probably thinking, what's better for the ummah and all of that stuff. Even from a political perspective, there are politicians who knew how to master the art of apologizing and using the apology to continue with what they're doing. There are, there. I mean, I don't know which books you study, but no, no, not. I mean, when I say, sorry, I didn't. I read articles. I didn't read like political oh, gotcha. theory. Okay. Okay. I'm just reading. I'm just trying. I'm keeping up with the trends, watching things. Like that's yeah. why I'm saying it's not yeah, not you, healthy. You'll even find some. This is like the bad form of politics, right? You'll yeah. even find some very prominent leaders who openly apologize. And then use that apology to spin and say, and now I'm going to make sure, like, I want to be, you're my people. I want to be honest with you, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm going to make sure that I've learned this lesson so that such and such thing, I'm going to be a better politician now. And they get even more support. So you could actually, the, the apology, even, you're right. Because honesty. Genuinely. Genuine Genuinely, honesty, yeah. you should do it for the, it doesn't matter if you do it for the people or not. You it do it for, for Allah, right? Of Allah. And yeah. that's what part of being a good hundred percent leader. And on top of that, even if the waswasa comes and says, "You know what?" But that's going to somehow undermine my credibility with the people, and then affect the dawah, and then blah blah blah, and this and this and this will happen. That's actually not really going to happen if you actually present it in a way that say, "You know what, people? I'm a human being, and I make mistakes, and this is something that I didn't think through properly, and now I've realized my mistake." And people will, will will be like, "Wow, this person's willing to like like you just you just praise Muhammad Hijab for exactly the same thing." Yeah, he 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 admits when he makes a mistake, he apologizes, and you said this increases his credibility. Could happen the exact same way. I agree. Yeah, and and to anyone who's afraid of apologizing due to like you know them losing their following. Nak has more followers than any of these people <laughs> combined, and he took the largest social hit out of Absolutely. anybody. Absolutely. And he still has millions. No, no one can match him still. Man. No yeah, one no. can match <laughs> Nak. And he has, you have not seen his face at a single conference. Correct. He was at Yasser Qadi's message. Bro, like, he, he's, uh, the guy's still there. He's still very relevant. So I, I just apologize, and then eventually you'll understand that this is actually the better position not just for you but for everybody yeah um agree no yeah so this but, is but here's here's the other side though the other side is i i honestly believe and i mean I tr- i've tried to had a discussion I, I i'm closer i mean uh i'm with yaqeen now just recently joined but i'm oh I'm really kinda, yeah re- oh I, di- I didn't know that uh, so i'm i'm what's called a senior fellow so what a senior oh, okay. a senior fellow basically means sounds really cool but a senior fellow basically means you write one paper per year that's it. One paper per year and one interview per year on the papers. So oh, one paper and then one interview on the paper. W- uh, no, actually, well, one paper and everything that comes with the paper, which means interview and, uh, you know, some curriculum interview or something like that. Okay. All connected to the paper and one 30 for 30 interview per year, right? Okay. So uh, I just came on board and now all of a sudden I didn't realize there's like this massive smear campaign going on against Yaqeen and all that. But still, I, I think Yaqeen... Uh, as, as an institute does fantastic work you know there's there's no doubt about that there's only two main controversial uh papers that they've ever had one is the jonathan brown one on lgbt and one of them is the jalajal one on uh, on evolution which uh you know there I was also the jonathan brown one on like uh, salvation 
Right. Oh, I haven't, they, se- I haven't seen that one. He, he, was, he was talking about how non-Muslims may be able to be redeemed by God. He was trying to make some really weird, nuanced argument type thing. Not the Ghazali argument? No, 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 no. no it's no, beyond no. that. No, it was like non-Muslim, like straight yeah, up. I think he, they it's actually, a non-Muslim they, type, but they took out that paragraph. So the same just article's there, but he took that out. They redacted it, which is fine. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. It was just redacted, though. I like the... Like the, the, the but it's kind of like, like what you said, like there's an article, and it, there's like just... There's not even a footnote, actually. It's, it's just, just got redacted gone. and... Like unless that, you knew that, it was that, there, that's there. the critique of yeah, like hijab the, on the uh, yeah, like yeah, the, the LGBTQ recent. article's gone off your. It's gone, yeah, but no, no explanation. But it still exists on Jonathan Brown's website. Oh, okay, okay. So if you Google it, it's still there. It's still yeah. on his. It's there without Doctor Shetty's response. Right, right, right. On just his part, which is yeah. worse. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know, his articles are also gone. Daniel Hafiz. Oh, <laughs> Daniel! Daniel has been cleaned off. Yaqeen has been cleaned off. Muslim Matters. He has some good articles, you know. If you pull them up, I, I, I don't think you need <laughs> to explain <laughs> why those were pulled. <laughs> I don't think that requires much of an explanation. <laughs> I know, it's, it's, but it, so you know, it's yeah. interesting. So we're talking about redacting, and um, what sh- what should be the proper way to do it? So we say some people critique it. So they have two sides. One is, isn't it better? that redact it and then they have like an article coming out that says like we, we pulled out this article for this xyz reasons but then the other side i think this is their kind of framework is if we don't want to draw attention to it we don't want to draw we, we pulled it out for a reason and we don't want people to be like oh what was the controversy and then it draws attention for that reason and mm-hmm. they're reading all this and then it be, becomes a bigger thing than it is right so right. trying to pull it and just be like all right it's understandable i i think the best thing is to follow what are the common best practices in the field so the thing yeah. is yaqeen is kind of somewhere in between an academic journal and like a apologetics journal uh, like a apologetics uh yeah kind of like yeah i don't know if, uh, what other apologetics journals are there i mean it's it's kind of like a, have ti- it's like a time magazine blend hybrid between like a no, time okay, magazine Sapiens Institute a th- a thing that, that people actually read Sapiens hmm. Sa- well, Sapiens Institute I'm no, not no 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 I'm no, not, no. this is uh, Hamza Zortzitz what's his name yeah oh Hamza Zortzitz okay. yeah uh. they have like a thing where they where they uh, are they quite popular they have a lot of and, they're and in the, the UK Europe, yeah. they're very popular okay. and they're very they're very um, they put out a lot of sim- similar they yeah. put out articles they put out videos what, what I meant was like uh, mainstream American non-Muslim culture. Oh, mainstream. Yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, the, okay, in the okay. mainstream, right? So if if Yaqeen is an academic institution, go look at what uh, Islamic Law and Society Journal does when they want to uh, retract an article for whatever reason, or they want to cancel out an article or issue a correction. Do they just simply remove it? Do they issue a correction? What do they do? Look at their best practices, and of course that's different because it's designed for a specialist class of people. And then look at what happens in like maybe something which is more catered to the masses. Whatever their principle is among the two options, they should follow something along those lines, right? Because that's that's this the if that's the way you're going to situate yourself is that we're a research institution. What do other research institutions do when something like this happens to them? Because it happens to everyone. It's not that it doesn't happen. Yeah. So just follow best practices. Yeah. And and well, what would those best practices be? Wouldn't it be to issue a formal? That's my my question. Is I don't know what the journals do. Oh, right? you don't. Okay. We we should investigate and we should say, hey. We are following the same criteria as XYZ journals in the mainstream. Well, Sheikh Osman disagrees with the JAMA. Like, uh, so there's. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 I'm well aware. <laughs> so that one. There's a lot of that to go around yeah. of how, how, to, how to pull an article. Okay, that's, yeah. that's a fair point. I'll continue yeah. that. But, but my, my, my point was I was mentioning um, Sheikh Yasser Qadi. Yeah. You know, like, ev- like everyone, right? The guy's not. Uh, He's not a prophet. He doesn't. He doesn't have all the answers to all the questions, right? He's thinking. He's thinking through things, 
And while he's still thinking through things, he's throwing <coughs> out certain, you know, theories out there. A theory here and a theory there. What should we do? All this stuff. So my advice to him, and I've told him directly too, is that you, when you have such a following, you don't get the same license to throw out your personal your half baked your 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 not a half baked your your half developed ijtihads that you're still thinking through and you haven't finalized yet and if you do you need to say very clearly you know what I've been thinking about this issue for the last five years and I I don't have a full conclusion on it yet um, this is kind of where I'm leaning so now someone goes back to that clip and they'd be like oh. He said this, but, but that's not his really full position because he's still working it out. Like his position on the qira'at, which really got him in trouble and stuff like that. Yeah. He's been working this out for a very long time, right? Um, and he has not talked to anyone uh, about this stuff. I mean, on a personal level, I know he's been doing this research. Uh, I've seen some of the research. We've talked to him on a private level with so many imams present and everything. Whether you agree or disagree with his research, he's been very cautious about his own formulation of this idea until the Muhammad kind of, hijab until the Muhammad and he just leaked out this statement and this statement got picked up by evangelicals they're using this against Muslims and all that and that's where when you get into that position you have to be so careful with your statements where you're either you're not conclusive on your theory or you're not conclusive on how this theory should be conveyed to the masses mm -hmm. right so his theory he's already made his own conclusion now for the most part He's not going to share it with the public or whatever. He has an idea. I'm not going to tell you what it is, right? But he has an idea of basically he's like, this is what I've come to. He's been thinking about this for like 10, 15 years. He's been doing a lot of research on it. He has a team of researchers working on it. So he's, he's, he, knows, he knows what he's talking about on this issue, right? Regardless of whether you agree or disagree with his theory on the qiraat. But even if he's made up his mind, the way in which you're going to convey that to the average Muslim has to be thought through maybe for another five years. Right, because it's a very, very serious issue, and I think you're dealing with the preservation of the Quran. Yeah, exactly. So, if you're making a statement about that, it cannot be exactly. And I think yeah. this is what happened with the LGBT issue with him when it came to the LGBT issue. Whatever he said in 2012, and whatever he said in that Linda Sorsor uh, interview, he had not thought through exactly his formulation of how he should put it, and he just put he just put it out there. Now, he shouldn't have cowered, you know, in front of her, in front of Mahdi Hassan, all that other stuff, right? He's been bothering me. I, I mean, I think Daniel just got this interview, like, lately. In fact, Muhammad Hijab says, I had not seen this interview recently. I, and I, he saw it because Daniel... I, I know. Because it's posted on, like, Mahdi Hassan, Al Jazeera. It's, like, I, I, you know, it's I, deep I was, in I, the archives. I watched this interview, like, I believe I watched it either live or, like, the next day. This is something that was big at the time. And it was bothering me significantly because I'm trying to formulate my own views and I respect him very much. And I'm watching this and I'm like, no, man, like this is not this is not a correct formulation of what a Muslim scholar should be presenting. So this is not new. This is not this is like big. Now everyone's like looking at it. All the Muslim imams and scholars, they were looking at this interview and they're like, hey, we're trying to formulate our own position. How is it going to be formulated? And then we talked to Yasser about this and he's like, you know, you know, I was just trying to. I was just trying to do this and trying to do this. He didn't have a clear formulated position on, on what he actually thinks, right? So I think what part of the problem, part of the problem of like not redacting something is that, this again, this is my theory, okay? Is that he's not, not redacting something because he doesn't have a clear, he doesn't have a clearly thought out framework on how to deal with these issues from the political spectrum, 
a theological thing. He's not exactly well, I think sure. He's clear. Let's, we, no, we can be fair. He's clear on the theological spectrum. Yes, he, he's clear. He's clear. He doesn't. He doesn't know how to uh, talk to the general masses on the political spectrum. And that's fine. Right. And that's not. That's not necessarily uh, uh, a negative thing. I think that actually just. Someone who has the temperament to be a scholar, it requires a certain temperament to sit there and read books and do research and, and, and go do a deep dive like that mm. and, and, and wrestle with an idea for 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. It takes a certain temperament. Absolutely. Now, all of a sudden, you are on a news station, TV. You have a very, uh, like Mahdi Hassan, he's, he, 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 command, he has a commanding voice, commanding presence. You have Linda Sarsour, who is equally matched by Mahdi Hassan. She's very... Um, Masculine in the way she presents herself. She's very in her face. Yeah, she's yeah. Ve she's very like bravado. I'm yeah. from Brooklyn. You can't do yes. nothing. To me, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then you have Sheikh Yasser Qadi with that scholarly temperament. Mm. Obviously, th 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 this is the clash. It's not the scholarly class. And it's the, versus the, it's the modified scholarly temperament. Back in his hardcore yeah. Salafi days, <laughs> he didn't have he would he would have destroyed Linda on that show. But now again, he's trying to reframe himself as well so yeah this modified scholar exactly that has, that, yes. that's the clash that's happening yeah. so yeah. it's like maybe maybe you don't have to go on the interview maybe maybe you don't have to answer every single call to an interview yeah. because by the way by the way once the, i mean I, I people should know this by now once people know your position and they know you're not going to budge they're not going to invite you anyway they're just going to invite the next liberal Muslim, the, the liberal speaker who says they're Muslim, you know, with uh, uh, blue hair and, and you know, whatever, trans queer lover. And then, they're, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm an imam. I'm an imam of the Muslims. And they're going to invite that guy. Yeah. No. So this, this is exactly what happened. Uh, it happened at UCI a long time ago when the FBI was targeting the Muslims in Irvine and all of that stuff. You remember this show called on Fox News called The O'Reilly Factor? Yeah. Bill O'Reilly? Yeah. So they were Wait, trying the to... FBI was targeting the... Oh, yeah. Well, this is before Irvine 11? This is uh, before Irvine 11, yes. Okay. You're not familiar with the FBI case on Irvine Masjid, Mission Vijo Masjid, yeah, and yeah. the informants it's, it's and the Supreme Court right now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it got dismissed. Oh, it did? Yeah, yeah, it got dismissed. Yeah. Wait, they they knew it was going to get dismissed. Well, I don't know. Oh, you got you got to read up on your history, man. <laughs> this is uh, yeah, I wasn't, Supreme I wasn't, Court case. I wasn't in Soga my whole life. Okay, okay. This I is was in Egypt. I was <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. Come on, okay, tell me. Tell it. me. <laughs> so this is uh, FBI planted a guy named Craig Monte. What the hell? Into the Irvine Masjid. And he's an informant, and he's pretending to be a Muslim convert. I was there at the time. Right? Wait, what year was this? Something like 2003, 2004, somewhere around there. I think we had a similar issue in Northern California, but continue. Wait, this is well known. Okay, okay, so, okay. So they plant this guy in Irvine, right? And he goes in there, and he's mm. like, I, I took shahada. And he's like, white, white guy, you know, comes in, starts wearing the Arab dress and everything like that. Starts hanging around with the Muslims, and he goes with the Muslim guys, and they're going to work out. Mm -hmm. Right, and he's in this group workout group. In fact, I went to one of the one of the groups, you know, to work out one day. Right, we go to they go to the gym together and everything. And these guys, they're all like, you know, in those days, everyone's listening to Imam Anwar Olaki, they're listening to the lectures and all that. So he comes in there and like every time he meets a group of people, he's like, man, you know, we gotta go for jihad, we gotta go fight <laughs> this, we gotta go that. And so then people started getting suspicious, like, well, this guy's a little weird, man. Like he's a little bit too like pro jihadi, this and that. So finally, they contact like Care. And then Care calls this guy, calls the FBI, and turns this guy into the FBI. 
Right. Oh wait, wait. Sorry, I do know this. I just didn't know his name. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So yeah, this, yeah, is, yeah. This, is the, this is the case, right? Yeah, yeah. That's and then the he case. flips okay. on the FBI, yeah. and he reports the whole thing and says, "You know what? I, they inf- hired me as an informant. He was a convict. He was a con man. He was in jail. They took him out. They paid him more money. He was sleeping with Muslim women in the community. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy stuff when you read the whole thing, right? And then Sheikh Yasser Fazara was there in Mission Viejo at the time, and you know, he had a, they had a good relationship with the FBI, and they said, you know, are you spying our community? They said, no. Absolutely not. There's no spying going on whatsoever. And then it, all of this stuff comes out. The whole thing was a lie. Finally, it takes like 2005, it takes like 15 years for this to reach the Supreme Court. Wait, why was it dismissed? Uh, they said that, uh, I forgot the exact wording. Don't quote me on it, but it was something like, the lower courts can make this decision without having to go to the Supreme Court. Oh, okay. right. So, so they, they just they, sent it back. They sent it back to the lower courts, got right? It, so it. the so Supreme Court said, we're not going to take it on. The lower courts can have it. So that was, it went from the lower being dismissed. They went to Supreme Court. Supreme Court passed it back over there. All right. Well, so well, whether that's, pong. Every, everyone's kind of, everyone has their own spin on whether that's a victory or not a victory. So some, the activists are saying, that's what we wanted to happen, and it's actually good for us. And the other ones are like, "What are you talking about? You just got, you lost the Supreme Court case." I don't I don't know the details of that. I didn't follow, but it's a horrible, a horrible. This documentaries produced on this, so they were like, the, the thing is, the problem with informants is that they're not actually informing; they're provo- provocateurs, the, they're, right? Yes. They're they're Im- they're planting these ideas and and entrapping people, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's the that's the issue. How do we get on this topic? Um, <laughs> how did we get on? Wait, Irvine. Uh, <laughs> we we're talking about uh, Grant Greenwald. What's his name? No, no, that was that was way back, man. <laughs> so, like, temperament, uh, being on interviews. Oh uh, yes, yes, O'Reilly Factor. So yeah. O'Reilly Factor. So okay, pr- okay. Prior okay. to that, sorry, I can't rewind this. It's recording. No <laughs> so, so you got the, <coughs> there was some spying going on of UCI students as well, and you know protests, Palestine protests, and all that stuff. So they were gonna bring one of the students. O'Reilly was gonna bring one of the Muslim students onto the O'Reilly factor, right? So they were like, "Who should we pick?" Because he he destroys his opponents. Yeah. I mean, he's a professional at like destroying his opponents, right? You get on there, you're gonna get killed, right? And I remember, you know, there there was a decision going on. People were discussing and consulting. Should we even go on the show? When you go on the show. He sets up the thing in a way where you're there to basically be destroyed. It's, it, you're, it's a lamb going to the slot. Exa- That's exactly. exactly what it is. And yes. there's there's almost no way around it, you know. And I watched a documentary of another guy. He was um, he was a, like a liberal activist or something like that. He was uh, so, I, f- I forgot the exact something about 9/11 or whatever I, it was. You've seen this one, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And and he was talking about how he rehearsed, like he watched every episode of every O'Reilly interview, and he like rehearsed every he single had like a timer. detail. He's like, how he, much time I have? Exactly. He had a timer. This is how much time I have before he's going to cut me off. He's going to say this question. He's going to do this thing. It, it was really... So he like chess. He played chess with him. He okay. played chess with him, like, which what which a lot of you know fighters do in UFC. They watch the other fights and they yeah. plan. This is the strategy and everything. So it comes back to exactly what you're saying is that if you're walking into a situation where this person, you know, if you if you know what if you know politics and you know media, you know you're going up against a guy like O'Reilly. If you're not prepared to this le- guy's level, where you've watched every interview, you know what questions are coming, you've timed it, you see that what they're gonna do, you probably shouldn't walk into that interview. Yeah, because it's, it's not you're not exactly. it's not O'Reilly. You're not going up against it's O'Reilly, his producers, his editing team, his writers, his researchers. 
And they, they know when to cut you off. I mean, they, yeah. they will lower your microphone. Vo- I mean, he studied everything. Yeah. They'll lower your microphone volume. He'll cut your microphone off at a certain point. He'll kick you out of the studio. And he kicked the guy out of the yeah. studio. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, he did? Yeah, well yeah. <laughs> yeah, the guy was prepared. He's literally kicked him out of this. He cut him off. He's kicked him out of the studio and he's there like he got a camera like watching him walk outside the studio. It was it was it was a really you should watch that documentary, you know. Oh wow. Someone yeah. send that to me. Okay. It was like it was Jeremy Scahill or something. It was about 9/11? Yeah. It, it was oh. about uh, I forgot what it was. Okay. I think one of his family members was killed in 9/11 yeah. or something like he that. He was questioning some part of the narrative or something. Yeah, he was like questioning that. a part of the narrative and he's like, you know, uh, you know, O'Reilly can't stand this, right? Yeah. And he's like, I have a right to speak because one of my family members was killed inside the building, so I have a right to to have this opinion. How dare you try and take it away from me? So he that was he wanted he wanted to get that out there on Fox News and it's it's so hard for that guy to even say, with that amount what, of clout. What are you going to say? What are you going to say to him? Right? You can't say anything to that guy. Oh, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right? O'Reilly yeah. still knows, right? They, yeah. they, they can set it, they set it up really well. So yeah, okay, that comes back down that. to your point is like, you know yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If setting up, setting up the... It, yeah. You're walking into the big leagues. You're, you're, you're walking into the, the people who are masters at manipulation. You shouldn't walk into that if you're not prepared. Yeah, like right. the, the handler. I, look, I'm, there's people advising... Yes, Khadi. There's people advising Omar Sulaiman from a media standpoint. Mm-hmm. There is. When you get that big, I'm sure you have a team, right? Say this, don't say that. This is how you word things. This is your audience. Mm-hmm. Okay. The people for Ilhan and Rashida, those are seasoned pros. Mm-hmm. They, they, you know, like your handlers are way, way less qualified than Ilhan. So what ends up happening is mm-hmm. you get involved with these people. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they got the one up on you. Um, um, so that, that that's... Um, that that's just a consequence of when you when you uh, d- deal with that group. So, uh, can we just cut them off now at the rope? <laughs> is it is it done? Like, is it? <laughs> Let me make just one more point. So we were talking a little offline about how this this messaging gets watered down mm. from the middle, and you say, yeah, they're trying to pull in from all sides, and, and there's a good intention behind it. Mm. But you also mentioned how a lot of these, these guys, when you get that big, and it's even smaller people like yourself, we can, you talk to a lot of people. You talk to people on the ground, and they come to you with stories, sob stories, really traumatizing stories. Mm-hmm. And so you have to realize that these guys, I have a million followers, and he's spoken to thousands of people, and they come to him. Like, imagine, he, get, he comes and gives one lecture. He gives, like, a khutbah and maybe, like, a late-night talk at, in the Bay Area. Neither of them are from the Bay Area. And yet people are going to come and be like, Sheikh. I have a story to tell you. My husband's beating me and this, that, and the other. And it's like, I'm literally seeing you for five minutes right now. And you want me to like solve your whole family trauma. Yeah. And this is happening over and over and over again. So what happens is, I mean, if, and you're saying like, if you're not properly trained with the right yeah. counseling mindset, whatever else, yeah. you can internalize this. And then the next time you give a lecture, I want to go hard on what the, the white says beaters. and whatever else, right? Yeah. On LGBT. But I, I literally just heard a mom cry that, her lesbian daughter ran off because she didn't want to be part of the family anymore. So if I go hard on this LGBT issue, I might hurt the mom and make her cry again because it'll break up trauma. And I don't want to say like these are kafar or something, you know, one or the other. So then that message gets watered down, watered down slowly because they're just trying to say, I'm trying to say it without <coughs> saying it. Yeah. And then it's very hard to do that. when you That's have one. And then two is also that your reality gets skewed mm. if a certain subset or a group of people are coming and giving you those issues. And they're the only ones talking. They're to the you. ones who are talking, yes. right? It's kind of like they, they say that about like uh, Yelp reviews or like product reviews. They say, you know, most of the product reviews are like n- negative because 
people who have a great experience, unless there's some other incentive, they're like, why should I waste my, I'm not gonna do that. But your incentive is like, I wanna vent, I wanna like talk yes. about how bad this product is. So there's an automatic skewing when it comes to sometimes the data that's coming in. Same thing happens with multiple speakers. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they need to, if they're not on the ground and they're not getting a good pulse and a good feel for what's going on in the community, especially when you get to a, such a high level, you're not checking your emails and you're not talking to that many people on the ground. You almost become like the ivory tower scholar where, you know, you have all the book knowledge and everything, but you may not know what's going on on the ground. Yeah. And that, that skews your perception of reality. And, and that's, and I think that's where like the, 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 the disenchantment that Munir and I are feeling because we have many different if social circles, friend groups. I mean, we probably interact with more people on the ground than like a top celebrity scholar, mm-hmm. right? They're so busy doing other things. And the things that we just hear in our group chats or in our discussions, they just blow our minds. You're like, where are you getting this stuff? How did you end up here? You know? And, and, and it's like, th- that's kind of the, and that's like the trajectory that's been going on for the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. So when you see, th- when we see this on the ground and we see certain messaging coming from up top, that's the connection we're making. And we're you're like, like, why isn't this being addressed? Like, I, I want, I want these people to get some kind of messaging. Is that what it is? Basically? Exactly. Because it's like, well, obviously this is not coming from anywhere. We know that there's a societal pressure. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's the worldview, right? This, I mean, this is yeah. where we want the conversation to go. So we've talked about like, all right, the Muslim yeah. scholars, how it's coming, how it's coming to us from people and authorities that we respect. And that's what we hope to hear and what we're not hearing, et cetera. Mm. But then now we have our friend groups who are lay Muslim. They, all they do, all they know is like that khutbah they heard or that one lecture that got shared with them. They don't study Islam. They don't, they don't do any of these things, right? They're just, yeah. they're living their life, trying their best five prayers. Omar Suleiman, two million followers. Oh yeah, yeah. He knows what he's talking about. I'm going to listen to this guy's it, thing. You know, yeah, it's, God bless. So now, yeah. but we have a worldview. We're being imbibed by this thing where it's all around us. And so when I hear certain friends say whatever X, Y, Z thing, I can actually can tell Say so this is exact. I, I can't differentiate your opinion from my non-Muslim coworker's opinion, and the reason is we live in the same world. And if you're not getting any other information in and how you think, like through a Quranic lens, mm. a prophetic lens, mm-hmm. well, of course you can have the same opinion or like the the same opinion, but like Islamicized almost. Like, oh yeah, no, is, we're not that much different, right? Because X Y Z, I can give you that one Quran verse I heard one time, right? Mm. So it's very interesting. So h- how do we combat that? Because now, and this is, I think this is where you wanted the conversation to go, is it's a cultural war. I mean, it is what it is, right? I mean, I, if you're at school, it's, my mom was telling me, right? She works at a school, uh, junior high. She said after COVID, after being remote and coming back, it it went off the deep end. I mean, you're talking about exponential growth of craziness at school. She said she's having a conversation with two students and it took her 10 minutes of them talking about the issue for her to realize they kept saying they and them and this oh, was actually else. the kid next to them. <laughs> she's talking about the person next to them and she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're talking about this, you right here? <laughs> because oh, she could my not God. wrap her mind she around the problem. She didn't get the memo. And the other one was referring to themselves in like the other gender too. It's just, I mean, it's crazy madness. People come, she's like people coming in and acting like animals even and she's like we can't and all the older teachers can't keep up right imagine you've been in the school district for 30 years oh yeah I heard that if someone comes in and meows you have to like treat them as a cat you can't yeah, like, you, you can't chastise them yeah, for that's meowing part of a, it's an identity right so <laughs> it, it's just it's, it's gone I mean that's at school school mm. level so people that's why the conversation about homeschooling has become more prominent in Islamic school proper Islamic schools have been more yeah. prominent right because we're in trying our, to put our kids in an environment where we're going to teach them about it but on our own terms, mm. not as this is the truth and everyone accept everyone, right? Exactly. Yeah. So how do we combat that? And maybe we can start at the kids level and just keep working our way up to 
we get then we get to like high school as I'm a high school or college student, especially in college, right? It's getting thrown at me. How do I navigate that language wise? And people are going to ask me certain questions that frame it like I'm a bigot. Mm. And then you get to work and I can talk stories at work too, right? Right. So and I'll, so I'll start with as kids, how young would you suggest I talk to? I have a three year old right now. Yeah. Do I start talking to him about this whole thing? The LGBT. And the whole yeah. So I started with my kids when I was when they were four. All right. So that sounds young. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it sounds young. Uh, it sounds almost crazy. Like yeah. if, if anyone heard this 20 years ago, they think it's absolutely insane. Madness. Right? And still, when they hear it today, they're just like, well, wait a minute. You know, that's still, you know, maybe 10. I'm like, no, because he, here's what it is. You have to balance. You have to respond to the culture in which you live. The culture in which we live, what, ta- what age do they start targeting children? They start targeting children at age five or four. Cartoons now. Four so, and yeah. five, yeah. No, cartoons yeah. and books. Yeah. So the books are at pre-K level. Mm-hmm. So at first they hit like first grade. When they hit first grade level, right, like the um, the uh, crayon, yeah. the blue crayon that's got like a red wrapper around it and it realized that it was in the wrong wrapper or whatever. This is a first grade, first grade book. Then they have kindergarten books. And now they're coming out with pre-K level books, right? So we're wow. looking at, yeah, that's, that's the reality. We did a whole program on this at our masjid, uh, like a few years ago, two years ago or something like that. We brought out an expert. She brought all of the books in the curriculum yeah. and we're like going through it. And it's like, she's like, this is kindergarten and first grade books. And this is like rated R images in there. Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. It, 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 it's, it's, pre- it's crazy. Yeah, I've, seen, I've seen the queer yeah. one, the, where they, yeah. but yeah, continue, sorry. Th- th- there's a whole series of it. Right. Yeah. And and this is not a California problem. So this same lady, this is Brenda Lebsack. Uh, she she's like she started her own uh, websites called Interfaith Coalition or something like that for I forgot what it's called. She she renamed it. I'm I'm one of their advisors. She's like I'm gonna put you on the website as an advisor. I'm like that's fine, man. Just you can throw whatever you want in there. Her, her point is she wants to expose this agenda, right? She wants to expose the, the to parents to something that they're not being told, and this is what's being told. So she goes to Texas. And a rural town, in not rural town, but like a rural city in Texas, outside the major cities. She goes, I was just visiting my sister over there. I walked into the library and I see the same kindergarten LGBT indoctrinating books in Texas. This is not a California problem only. This is happening across the country, right? So uh, where do we start? We, we, I believe we should start at like age four or five. Is, is standard now what do you what do you talk to them about age four or five right so i was uh teaching them a class that i teach anyways different levels stories of the prophets you start with the prophets right start with the prophets and we go through all of them in a row and we get to prophet loot you explain prophet loot and you say you know what there were men and they were, I, i'd expl- rather than explaining the details of intercourse be like look men were marrying men mm-hmm. okay and it's like, isn't that strange like yeah, I'm like yes. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> I got some sane people. You know, I got, uh, my four year old is like, that's weird. I'm like yes. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, you're still in the fitra. You know, Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, so when he's like, yeah, that's very strange. And I'm like, maybe w- women were also marrying women at the at the time. You know, we don't have that clearly. Yeah. But so I'm like, you know, Allah didn't like this behavior. So you start out with a very yeah. elementary thing. But explain, these are the prophets. This is what they were doing wrong. You'd be like, look, does idol worship make any sense? Why was Prophet Ibrahim criticizing idol worship? Because of this. Stealing doesn't make sense. It was wrong. Prophet Shaib was criticizing these people for stealing. So in every single story mm-hmm. of the prophet, you're going to highlight the moral lessons and you're going to explain why. Same thing when it gets to Prophet Lut, you're going to explain why. 
Right, yeah. so I start with that, and I think everyone should start with that. So that should be like a moral foundation. So I'll ask you: you've you've taught your son in Komlot, and now I have a, have a coworker who's telling me he picked up his his daughter from daycare around mm-hmm. the same age, and then her friends being picked up by their two moms. Yes. So now so that there's concern, I've heard other Muslims say like, "Okay, I can teach them this, but what happens if they go to school and then they tell their friend your two moms is haram?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so the thing, and and this this does happen, right? Yeah. So now now I have to you have to tell them, say, look, you know what? It's what they're doing is wrong. What they're doing is immoral. But it says, "Oh, I'm gonna go and I'm call them out." Yeah. But now you're like, okay, public school environment. Uh, if, if 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 you're seeing that is uh, public school, I'm assuming, yeah. right? Yeah, public school environment. They're gonna have they're gonna have to be in the classroom with that kid. Yep. You're gonna have to deal with the teacher who's probably gonna be defending this behavior or reporting on your kid for saying something wrong or whatever. Yeah. You teach them to be non-confrontational on these things. Be like, look, look, it's haram, but you don't need to call out everything. So if someone comes in class and they during break time they pull out their idol and they start praying to it, right? You don't need to walk over there and like you don't need to pull a Prophet Ibrahim and like kick their idol away, right? Yeah. Prophet Ibrahim was doing that for a certain reason. So you explain to them, say what they're doing is wrong, mm-hmm. what they're doing doesn't make sense, right? Like, does it make sense? Be like, no, it doesn't make any sense. Why would they worship that thing? I said, I know, but you don't have to sit there and you don't have to argue with them, you know, during class or whatever it is. So you explain to them, look, this is the morality of it. This is why it's wrong, and there are people who do that, right? And so, so my kids, they understand. They're like, there's pe- there's people who do that. And and I explain and now there's you know eight and uh, seven and eight one just turned uh, eight and nine now, but I've been explaining to them since they were young. My daughters always love rainbows, right? I I personally have always loved like rainbow colored yeah, things, it's right? It's yeah. fantastic, it's beautiful, yeah. right? Natural God. phenomena yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's amazing, right? But now it's become tainted. So I've taught them since she was five. I'm like, there's two types of rainbows, right? So. There's the evil rainbow and then there's the good rainbow, right? So right now, is you're young, right? We talked, I, and I told them, I, I said the story of Prophet Lut, the people who Prophet Lut Allah destroyed, they took on the rainbow and they made it into an evil rainbow. So when you buy a shirt right now in the store or something like that, you're you're still young. We're gonna buy you the rainbow colored shirt and stuff like that. But I, and I told her since she was five, I said, but you're gonna get to a point when you get older. And people are going to start putting like the, the evil rainbows all over around the place. You're going to have to learn to be careful. You're going to be like, you know what? I'm not going to walk outside publicly with that rainbow because it could be perceived as something else. And she's like, I'm so happy to be a kid. I could still wear my rainbow. <laughs> it's a five-year-old. What are you going to do at five years old, right? Yeah. But I believe that teaching them at that level and reminding them, that you know this is what it is and just renewing it once in a while so we were at Wa- we were at walmart the other day shopping and then i just showed him again i'm like you see that whole there was a pride the section pen, yeah. all of the flags and target the, the first thing you see by the way is they have the pride section first oh i haven't seen that okay okay yeah. yeah yeah so we saw that there and we're standing in line and we're just checking out getting something real quick and then you know i'm like you see that and they look at it and they're like oh rainbow and i'm like which rainbow do you think it is and my son's like no, it's the evil rainbow. <laughs> and he's like, why, why would they do that? Why would they do it? It looks so nice. Why would they do something like that? I'm like, I, you know, if they're going to indoctrinate my kids with yeah. falsehood, yes. I'm going to indoctrinate them or teach them the truth at this level, right? And I think parents need to reinforce it. And I don't think Muslim parents are doing yeah, that. Yeah, so that's the scary mm-hmm. thing is you. this is an active effort on your part. Yeah. With homeschooling. <laughs> so what yeah, happened right? yeah. previously? The pro- not anymore. But yeah. So the problem oh, is yeah. we okay. put people. Most most parents, especially if you're an immigrant parent, you mm. just. I mean, our parents put us through the public school system because the default was yeah, it's school. They're gonna mm. teach them normal things. Yeah. 
And the problem is today, people still have that mentality, not realizing that they're sending their kids to a six-hour program where three of them are ident- three of their co- uh, friends are identifying as opposite gender. Their teacher is saying this is all okay. He's being picked up by two dads. So even if you don't teach them about it, it's being normalized in their head, even if the teacher doesn't talk about it, by the way. It's normalized in their head that, well, my friends, my five friends, out of them, two of them are identified this way, and one of them has this thing, right? So if nobody says anything, just by virtue of being in the system, they think it's normal. They think so it's th- fine. This, this is It'll the be harder. Exactly. This is the problem with Muslim parents. They don't understand yes. what's being taught. And actually, it's funny, because Daniel, one of his old articles, was just on point on this. He, he made this fantastic example. He goes, you know, many Muslim parents sent, used to send their kids to Christian schools before there were all these yeah. Islamic schools and Catholic, all that I stuff. A lot of Catholic Catholic school. School. I went to Christian school myself even for a year. So I remember that, you know, if you go to Christian school, if a Muslim parent sends their kids to Christian school, they're like, but remember, we do not worship Jesus. We don't believe in the Trinity. We don't believe in the Bible. And they're going to give you all these reminders. They're not so scared of you being indoctrinated, but they remind you. And, they're, and they, they, they're like, you know what? I know it's very unlikely that my kid's going to be influenced by Christianity, but I'm going to give them the reminders yes. anyways, right? Because they know what's going to be taught in that school. Mm-hmm. What they don't understand, this is what Daniel's point was. He goes, they're being taught liberalism, philosophical yes. liberalism inside the school, and it's a religion. And they don't realize... They think it's just like a neutral yes. public school. It's just a neutral, uh, non-religious thing. But they don't realize that there's a religion there that's being taught. You can still send them there. But when you send them to Christian school, you give them a warning and you remind them, you know what? We're Muslims. We're not Christians. We don't believe in this and this. And you better not come home with any Christianity. But right? it's very that's- hard to go <laughs> tell a kid. They're teaching you liberalism. You better be careful. <laughs> yeah. They're going to teach you about freedoms. For those, you, you, yeah. can, you can't. For those who don't know, when we you say know? liberal, philosophical liberalism is, is maximizing individual liberty, individual freedom. So both. So when we say, oh, Democrats, like, no, no, Democrats and Republicans are both philosophically liberal. Yes. Yes. Just do it their own way. My gun rights, my speech rights versus my body rights and my choice rights. Right. Those are the same idea right. manifested Incorrectly, right, ways. right, right. It's tr- and it's a much harder to respond to. Yes. But when it comes to LGBT, it should be a lot easier to respond to because it's a more clear cut issue. It's not like a uh, it's not a whole philosophy and mindset. Yeah, e- exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, so yes, this is exactly what Muslim parents need to understand that, and they need to be warning ki- children when they go into an environment. With, depending on the environment, you need to warn them. Say, you know what? When you walk into the library, look, there's going to be some. If there's like an adult section You walk I don't know if Probably not video stores anyway. You walk into a video store You'd be like Don't accidentally wander Into that The back, the, area, the back yeah. aisle Right Like your parents used to do that all, Always You know You don't read the warning sign You just walk in Be like Don't want him to do that Same thing You walk into a library Don't walk Be careful of this So you need to point this out So this is what needs to happen Right So at the at the lower level You explain to them Stories of the prophets This is what needs to happen Prophets You know Prophet Lut was being criticized You're marrying All of that stuff Right Something going I just on? heard something outside. I think they're sweeping outside. Oh, they're sweeping? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, at that level. Then what happens is you reteach. So this is the thing a lot of people don't get. You're supposed to reteach every Islamic subject at least every few years. Because now you're at a different cognition level. And this mm-hmm. is well known in... Uh, you know, the field of education, philosophy of yeah. education. You know, how to read a book and all that stuff. You study Sirah when you're in uh, third grade. 
You study it again when you're in sixth grade. You study it again when you're in tenth grade. You study it again when you're in college. Every single time, it's the same content, but you're going to be processing it in a different manner. Even if it was the same content, but the content should be yes. mo- modified a little bit. So the same thing. You reteach the story of Prophet Lut. You reteach Islamic uh, sexual ethics, uh, depending on the age level, and you keep explaining and you say, "Look, here's what's going on in society." I taught this to. I was teaching another homeschool co-op thing, right? I had like twenty students. Uh, we're teaching Arabic and we're teaching mm-hmm. like uh, some Islamic studies unit, mm-hmm. and we talked about everything from you know uh, transgenderism. We talked about you know, even in Arabic. I try to bring the stuff up, so I'm like, you know what? Like the Arabic words, like sama, it could be masculine or it could be feminine. I'm like, you know, that happens in some words, but doesn't mean that's going to be happening. And, and that brought a transgenderism. I'm like, you know what? There are people who actually feel like they're trapped in the wrong body and they're going to change into something else. And this is an opportunity to talk to them about it because I know that their parents are not talking to them about it. Because most parents, they're, they're either, uh, they're, most parents are going to shelter them from it and if they're concerned. And they're going to say, you know what? Sheltering because it's better than exposing them to that ideology. But what's better than that? What's even better than that is telling them about the ideology itself so that you set the agenda, you set the ground, you know, you set the foundation for them. This is what needs to happen. At, even at the bare, it's really not even difficult. You just present it and you just plant the seed mm-hmm. and now it's easy to build on that. But if you don't plant it and someone else gets to plant it and set the framework for the first time they hear of it in their life and they go, oh, there's animals within the animal kingdom that are also gay and they do such and such thing and it's completely normal and blah, 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 right? Now you're like, you've lost your opportunity because you didn't yeah. get to them first. Yeah. Right? So that's what we need to do on, on, on every stage. And I think there needs to be a curriculum that's developed uh, along these lines. And in fact, uh, Yaqeen is developing a curriculum on how to actually teach particularly high school students so the person who's writing co-authoring the the yaqeen paper on lgbt with me dr usman asrar he's actually authoring the module you guys are going to be releasing a lgbtq paper on yaqeen yeah you don't know that no wait where was this what was this you watch the seminar that's he told them like 10 times where's my your paper that's why i was hired i was i was brought onto yaqeen and my first paper is going to be lgbt Wait, sorry, I must have missed that in the, in the lecture that it was going to be LGBT. I knew you said you were talking about a paper. I didn't know it was going to be an LGBT It's about paper. LGBT. Oh, it's LGBT <laughs> yes, paper? Okay, yes, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's what it's about. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so so he's going to actually be writing a curriculum module. And a curriculum module is significantly different than just an academic paper, right? What's a curriculum module? It's it's This is how you should teach in a classroom environment. Basically, a Muslim school, an Islamic school, right? there's also Muslim schools. You know, An Islamic school can take the curriculum and teach this to the Muslim kids about about L- how we're supposed to look at LGBT. So it's not just the paper and you say you study the paper. This is the curriculum module. This is how you break it down. This is the summary of points. These are the projects. These are the breakout sessions of what you're supposed to do and everything like that. So he starts from the point of, he's already developed some of it. So he says, starts from the point of, you know, how did you arrive at your understanding of human sexuality? Mm. And he poses like probing questions to the average high school person it's like well you know i thought about it from this perspective and i saw such and such movie and this movie kind of shaped my understanding of you know how human sexual desire should be or whatever it is and you start from that framework and then you build up and you say well why are there other people who view sexuality differently and then you address it from all those different levels so that's that's being developed as well right so we need that we need yeah. a curriculum so far currently i don't think there's a single curriculum i don't think there's even like is there even like a proper paper that you could like give to like study in a, I, th- I think there was like one paper or something. Actually, no, th- there was there was a Sunday school. There was, a, I, I think it was your Belinda. They took one of my khutbahs, I think 
an LGBT and they made it into like a, a, a module. They're like, we're going to watch this and then we're going to do like a few questions and stuff. And I remember kids coming to me to be like, wow, I had no idea. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm so glad like we heard, but there's not even something written. Yeah. <laughs> you had to watch a video, which means there's a, a paucity of resources. So there needs to be more resources, but yes, we should address it on every single level again and again and again. And of course we, we modify it. Every single time they're in a different intellectual phase, you express it in a different way. You convey it in a different manner, right? I don't think a, a timeline was given for the, the paper in the Yaqeen lecture. So the, Do you have a the, updated? The t- so the timeline, he, I just joined uh, before Ramadan. Right? Okay. A- and uh, like <coughs> two months before Ramadan. So Sheikh Omar's like, I want, you know, I've asked you before to join. You said no, right? And like now I'm not taking no for an answer. I, I want you to join. And I was just leaving IOC and switching to another job at the time. So I'm like, yeah, you you're know, Irvine. I'm Irvine, exactly. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? My only hesitation has always been I don't have the time to like pull out papers for you guys and stuff like that. He goes, I'm going to give you the ma- minimum commitment, one paper per year and one uh, tafsir program per year. So can you do that? I'm like, oh, of course I can do that. He goes, OK, you're on board. <laughs> so your first paper is LGBT. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. He's like, yeah, your first, first paper is going to be like the most difficult and most controversial paper we've ever produced. I'm like, that's fine. No problem. You know, whatever. So uh he said you have till the end of the year. End of the year meaning December 31st. <laughs> then what happened is that Pride Month was coming around the corner. And this year's Pride Month was not like last year's Pride it Month. Is. Yeah, this is it's ramped up times this, a thousand. This like just massive. This was like 10 times way, way bigger. It is everywhere you look. It's there. Every Any app that I open in my phone, there's some sort of find pride it. garbage. Phil's Coffee, man. I, I was supporting them because, you know, Christian Palestinian, you know, I prefer them over Starbucks or any of the other companies or whatever. And like one of my friends, he's a big Phil's fan. He's like, even them, they got tainted. Why? They have to have like a rainbow flavored coffee. I'm like, come on, man. You know, like it's everywhere, right? They had, a, a, I think it was in Canada. They had like a, a poster of like two lesbian hijabis like kissing. Yeah, they had a big and backlash. Yeah, yeah, and alhamdulillah, the Muslims protested. So many organizations wrote response letters back to them and they took it down. Right, but this didn't happen, right? So all of a sudden when this was building up, now he's like, can we adjust that from December 31st to like as soon as possible? <laughs> we, need this, <laughs> we need this thing written immediately. Right? Yeah. So, so uh, the, you know, and, and I'm like, it's a really bad time. I'm like literally switching jobs, changing like completely to a different, you know, field. I have to like get acclimated into my new position and all that. So I'm going to try my best. Well, thank you for giving us time today, by the way. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah. I'm, I'm passionate about this and I, I enjoy these interviews too. Okay. Like my releasing, my, my tension release for the... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Okay. So inshallah, hopefully in the next few months. Yeah, in yeah. the next few months. I, in fact, uh, where the, I, I told uh, Usman uh, Asrar that uh, the proposal needs to be fine I already wrote a draft I said the proposal <coughs> needs to be finalized by the end of this month so by by the end of June the proposal needs to be submitted in I already did my part he's gonna do his part and he's gonna submit the final thing alhamdulillah so that should be done and then we just need to hammer out the paper it shouldn't be more than two three months hopefully as long as we're both coordinated and we have time that's fantastic I can't wait for all that right then. so we moved yes. on we got talk to our kids they're, they're kind of going through the school system and they have a mental mentality of how this what? should be addressed do we have a hard cutoff at 11 
No, we can go a little bit more. Okay, good. Shallow. Just right. like last time. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah I got it. <laughs> Four hours later, he's still talking. I'm going to need some coffee or something, though. <laughs> you, we, could take a, we could take a break uh, to get coffee if you'd like. Oh, no, no. Just, even if you have water later on. Later on, not right now. Okay, I'm okay. good right now. Yeah, sure. Uh, yes, so the the kid, he's, he we, we talked to him really young, put him in that mind frame, the mindset. Um, let's let's talk about high school, college. Both of them will kind of group them together. Because now the problem is, I mean, and if you look at the statistics, every generation, the number of people who identify as LGBT is doubling for some weird reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, weird reason, the internet, obviously. The internet, and they're also they're redefining the standards yeah, to true. include more people who are not actually in that yeah, category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very good point. Yeah. I mean, Bisexual, 20% Gen Z. Because the, the mentality shift has become bisexual is an identifier, right? And now what they tell you is I could be watching a show and I, I see someone. In the past, maybe a guy, you saw someone, he's like, oh, he's really good looking. Okay, next. <laughs> my life moves on. Exactly. But now you're like, oh my God. And does that mean does I have these mean, feelings? Exactly. No, I like girls. Oh, I must be bisexual. Exactly. Right? And then that spirals up. I mean, I'm part of the statistic. No. But, and then the internet also provides the feeding grounds and Netflix and whatever else. I mean, my wife was telling me she'll go, we'll go to like Barnes and Noble. She'll look through the books and then find one that looks interesting. We'll go to the local library and check it out. Mm. And she says she, in the past, what, two years, it's, there's almost hasn't been a single book. So these are all late books. have just come out in the currently. Mm. There hasn't been a book she's been able to read that doesn't have one LGBT gay, somebody character in it. Wow. You cannot find one book that they don't throw them in there. It's just a side character, the main character, a love interest, something somewhere it's in that book. It's just modern literature. The same with, I can't remember a movie that's come out in this past, this 2022, that did not have one character. One show, one movie that's been released this year that didn't have a character in it. Wow. Yeah, nuts. Like, the, the representation is just out, they're extreme. Yeah. So you have kids now who unrestricted access to their phones. So they're watching Netflix nonstop, YouTube nonstop, Hulu, whatever else. And they're going to college and however many of my friends identify this way. Mm. And maybe, you know what, he's, but he's Muslim, and he, and he identifies strongly with that Islam, and he knows the rules because he was brought up properly. But how do I work with that? Because people are going to come up to me and say, I'm a bigot. If I, when they're going around, and this happened in my work, going around hounding, handing out pride flags. So it's not just that you're at desk, and like, if I want to go get it, pick it up. Like You could be walking outside, and they're going to come up to you to hand out that flag. Yeah. Yeah. So how are we going to deal with that now? Because the idea is, if you're not with us, you're a bigot. There's yeah. no, you can't be silent anymore on yeah. this issue. Yep. Yeah. So for the average high school kid, right, we have to explain to them what the agenda is. Yeah. We have to tell them that, hey, this is why people are thinking this way. This is why you <coughs> see in every single movie that you watch, this is why there's a character like that. You have to tell them this is not representative of reality. They're doing that on purpose in order to brainwash you. You just got to call it out for what it is, right? And when you call it out for what it is, in the beginning, they're going to be like, you know, are my parents telling me the truth? Because this seems like a conspiracy theory or something yeah. like that. You show them a little bit of data and eventually, you, hopefully they're intelligent enough and you've trained them well enough that they're going to accept that and they'll be like, wow, this is horrible, right? So this is what needs to happen, I believe. Right? So you're telling them it's an over-representation. You need to accept Over-representation. That. You're going to find majority of your friends uh, are doing something, you know, is there like going something going on? Here? Yeah, going okay. I, I, I'm trying. Yeah, uh, no worries. No worries. Sorry about that, listeners. Yeah, yeah. There's a, I don't get to control the grounds. <laughs> yeah, um, so tell them there's overrepresentation. Here's the data yes. on what's happening. Give them an explanation and say, you know what, you may feel like you're this weird minority in the world, and you know what, you're just like Prophet Noor. You're just like Prophet Lut. You're, you're, you're exactly doing, you're, you're, you're reliving the footsteps of every other prophet and 
there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you should be proud of that. And that's where the danger comes with the Muslim activists, mm-hmm. right? Because the Muslim activists, what they're trying to do is they're trying to internalize that minority narrative that, you know what, yes. poor us, we're so oppressed and everything. Oh, and yeah, yeah, sometimes we are oppressed, but the, the poor us, sad, sob story, you know, we're, we're this, we're that. When you internalize that in order to get some civil rights or some benefits or something like that, the internalizing of that takes away the pride of, you know what, I'm one of the few people, like very few people are mm-hmm. you know, praising Allah, thanking Allah, doing all those things. You're one of the few people who's doing what is right. So there's an aspect of being proud of being the few, and then there's the aspect of we're the oppressed minority, everyone else is not accepting us, and you know all of that stuff. So there's two ways to take your minority status. Yes. And we should reinstill this idea of it's not only fine to be different, it's actually a good thing to be different because it shows you that, you know what, you're standing up to everyone else who's against you, just like the Prophet stood up to against, against their that. misguided people. That. Yeah. But that's, you know what? It's tough. That's really tough on them because and there's already so much. I think Sheikh uh, Uthman was talking about how you only have so much pushback. Like you have a tank, so to speak, as a kid. And there's only so much pushback I can do before I get exhausted. I mean, how much? I, all right, I don't, I don't drink. No pork, no, no real relationships. It's like I already have so many things I have to say no, no, no to. It's like how much more do I have in the tank for an entire world view <laughs> to push back on that? Even it's true. right, it's true. So it's very, it's very tough. It's, so I want to empathize it, on that. There's that no end. doubt. There's no doubt. I and that's like why a lot of people have been talking about you know hijra, and they're like it's gonna be it's easier somewhere else. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sort of Turkey. <laughs> but uh, on on parents, it, I'm not a parent yet, but inshallah, um, it's on parents to find. To, to cultivate your social circle. Yes, exactly. Good to friends. Also, yeah. benefit your children. You don't want to just be spending time with your homie or your 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 sister or whatever um, because she's a good friend and we I can talk to her. No, like find people who are like minded, who can serve you socially, but also have children that you can socialize your children with. Yeah, you it's trust their you trust their kids to be friends with your kids. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, there's people that I talk to and I'm like. When, one day, you know, I'm gonna have kids, and you're gonna have kids. Like, we're gonna hang out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, like I know your views, and I tolerate you as a Muslim brother. But like, our kids aren't gonna. Well, our kids are not. Gonna <laughs> you, you're talking about minorities. I saw. I saw a meme. It was a picture of SF. It said, "Man, I've never seen an oppressed minority own real estate in the most expensive place in America because <laughs> they have own blocks of SF and the most expensive real." Well, Sheikh, though, spe- speaking on that, it, it, that's something, Yani. Uh, but something that I, I disgusts me, that the idea that you know you as a Muslim are victimized and oppressed that that mentality, I, I it's um, doesn't it, jive with you. It does not jive with me at all. And um, I feel like especially nowadays with with media, you can like see what's happening on in the world. Like look what's happening the flooding in Bangladesh, the earthquakes that, in Afghanistan, the earthquakes in Afghanistan. Yeah. People are dying left and right like flies. You we live here in the the. One of the best, the most comfortable living situations for Muslims in the entire world. Um, the Uyghurs in, in China. I mean, we could, the list goes on and on and on. So to, to you, for you to be living in San Francisco or living in Southern California or in the suburbs of Chicago, to come out uh, you know, on your iPhone and your, your fancy mic and your $4,000 camera, we are an oppressed minority. Like, shut up. Like, please, your reality check. Um, and, and I think people need to realize the tests we have. So, I mean, I'd much rather this test. I'd much rather this test than a test over there being bombed.
by a foreign country, sanctioned and starved out, Taking whatever. Taking your kids, yeah. Exactly. I mean, that, that is a test beyond test. But you know what? The, for, from what I can see, they're dying Muslims. So, and that's, that, inshallah, they're all passing yeah, that yeah, test. But that's a very tough, that's, that's a tough test. Very tough. That I don't think anyone here wants to go through. But we have, people I don't think realize we have a test here. And it's just as quote unquote hard and it, for our reality. Mm. It's an ideological test. It's an ideological, I mean, I mean, it's a whole worldview you have to combat. That's not a joke. Yeah. Like your entire way of thinking yeah. is being influenced day after day after day and you have to combat that. Yeah. You're like, man, that's so hard. Yeah, but you could be bombed on. So pick one. Exactly. Okay? It, it, you have, you're going to have a test and you have, you have wealth and, and influence. What are you going to do with that? Right? That's another big test a lot of us have. You have education. You have education. How am I going to use it? How do I get that education? How am I going to implement it? Right? I mean, there's so many factors that we have, and those are tests. Just as the test of Sabat over there in the Middle East or whatever it is, you have a test here of, of thankfulness and how you're going to use it. And a lot of us are failing. Yeah. A lot of us are failing and saying, yeah. just living my life. Right? Yeah. Oh, I pray. Sometimes, who cares? Like, is, God's good. God's merciful. And, that, and that's what we think, and that's it. Like, just because life here is easy, Jannah will be easy. It's all, almost that mentality, implicitly. Yeah. And yeah. That we, we just need to count our blessings more. If you just say Alhamdulillah, and just every time Alhamdulillah for, uh, I don't know, someone, someone told me this, but like, you know, don't just say Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Say Alhamdulillah, and after saying it, say what you're thankful for. Alhamdulillah for my eyesight. Alhamdulillah for the provisions I have. You say that over and over again, you're going to realize how blessed you are to be yeah. living in, in, in this context. This was my khutbah last Friday, man. That's why I think. Oh, it was? I mean, the, okay. I, I, you know, remember we did our st- my story about India, and I think yes. we talked about some of those things. Like, you lose hot water, man. Like, you know, <laughs> you lose electricity, you lose. Uh, Where you to know, put your trash? Everything. Uh, yeah. every, the most every, basic thing? The most basic thing. You don't realize all the blessings you have until they're gone. Yeah. And that's why I, I was just, I was like, on the, my on my way home from the khutbah, I'm like, you know, Going back, this was in Garden Grove. So I'm going back to Irvine. I'm like, what do people, what should they do so that they don't have to relive my experience in like going to India, right? Yeah. But like, you know what we should do? We should just organize field trips to like South Central, like or regularly for like the Muslim, Muslim youth of Irvine. Going to go to oh, like South, it's like a different country. Oh, Imam Jihad's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Islah, man. <laughs> Islah. Islah. And you're yes. going to walk around. We're going to do like a one mile walk just around that area. We're just going to walk around. I'm just going to see how people live. And you're not even going to realize you're in the same country, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's like a completely different world. You don't realize what you have literally 45-minute <coughs> drive away. Right? Take them. They, ha- they do a weekly food distribution thing. The poor people come, and they just hand, hand them b- boxes of, of food. Yeah. yeah, that is one. And it's Muslims and non-Muslims. I, I, know, I, know, I know. You know I know, what I'm talking I, about? Yeah, Humanitarian Day. Yeah, and stuff like that. There's no, 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 no. Islah day. LA does this. Yeah, Islah. Yeah, I know. Islah yeah. does it as well, and it's part of uh, uh, oh, Ilm Foundation as well. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I, I know all the all, all the brothers involved with it. Mashallah. But okay. beyond that, above and beyond that, not just because there's still this thing of like you'll I, be around, you'll be surrounded with the good peoples. This, this is the problem. The problem is I I had visited India before, right? I had visited India. We did a tour. You see the poor people, but you see them from your five star window mm-hmm. of your hotel. You see them from the car in which you're driving to like a nice fancy restaurant or something like that. That's not the same thing. Yeah. It's not the same thing as when I went there and like the car is breaking down in the middle of a village and like you have to stop by there. Even that's not the same. Like you, you, at least you get to experience them for a while. But then when you're there and you're among them and you, you feel like, you know what? I'm stuck here. Like I'm, I'm here. I'm not going yeah, anywhere. You're one of them. <laughs> you, it's, you're one of them. It's totally different. So the, my, my, my issue is that if people go and they're like, I do a homeless feeding. Okay, I see the homeless people. But you know the difference is you're at a table. You're behind the table and they're on the other side of the table. You're handing them a thing and you're like, you know what? When I get home, I'm going to have a nice burger. 
back in back in the suburbs of OC where everything's comfortable and every it's not the same feeling. Mm. Now you go and you'd be like, you know what? We're doing an overnight or like a three day thing where we're gonna we're gonna be living here and we're gonna be like you know inside the masjid or something like that. You're eating the food they're eating. We're gonna eat the food they're eating. We're gonna live there. We're gonna experience their lifestyle exactly what it's like, and then we're gonna reflect on our own lives. It's very different than simply you know being in the car, opening a window, and be like, hey, a homeless person here, here here's some food. I feel good about myself, and yep. which is nice, but it's not the same. It's it's really not the same. It's not, and and you know what? That's a very. I think that's a positive thing. Just be. Uh, uh, I'm just gonna caution you with the activist backlash mm. that you, you. Someone may say you are uh, fetishizing their their living situation. Volunteerism, or yeah, yeah you're 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 uh, exploiting their living situation for your own like spiritual enlightenment. No, I'm serious. No, no, no. This is this is something. So yeah, I need just whatever. It is. whatever you know, just <laughs> be. That's, uh, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not someone who's yeah. really cared about. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're talking about losing hot water. When I was on, when I was in Thailand, I was teaching English in a, a village there, remote village, yeah. and there was one of the teachers moved. You, all the teachers lived in this place because you couldn't go anywhere. It's too high up, and like so, they would stay there for the school year. Then they'd go back to their villa, their own hometown, like mm. summers and stuff. Mm. So one of them moved out. And when he moved out, went to the bathroom to shower, and the thing that sits on the wall, like that you turn on the flame, whatever, he took it with him. So he took the whole sh- essentially the, 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 the water because <laughs> that was his. I was like, oh man, <laughs> so the shower with whatever cold water came out of that thing. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, you don't realize it till it's gone. That's it's like, right. man. That's right. That's right. Subhanallah. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's we need to realize what we have here. And yes, we have tests, right? But and the tests can be hard, but but we got to deal with it, man. You know, and as 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 people who hate us say that like, if you don't like it here, you can go somewhere else. <laughs> 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 so, but I, but I, I, in the in the, most people like I'd rather be here. Like you said, I, I'd rather be. I'd rather deal with this test. It's a hard test. Maybe sometimes it's really hard. It's not as hard as other people's tests, but we can still deal with it. That's yeah. it. We got to do it. Oh, so let's, let's go back. So we're talking about how people are internalizing. Oh, we're just minorities, just like them, and that's how some people cope with it and create these allyships or whatever else. But mm. so the most some. Let's say he doesn't have a good friend group or he's, he's trying to formulate that friend group or he's at work now. He's only Muslim there. How are we supposed to deal with that? Work from home. Get a <laughs> job. Well, yeah, ideally, right? Ideally. But, yeah. but so, not for especially when you're right out of college, maybe you don't have those options. So in terms of uh, you're still picking your friend circle. So why would it affect you? Okay, that's a good point. That's, you, you're suppo- you're suppo- this is a very important point. Picking your friend circle, picking the people who you want your own kids and yourself to be around is is extremely important and on top of that right and people don't like to hear this part but you you said in every single movie that's been released right you got to pick your you got to pick your programming that you're allowing into your heart right if you're listening to music you got to pick your music if you're listening you're watching movies you got to pick your movies and the overwhelming majority of movies probably should be off limits because they're going to affect you Right, so now we need alternative media. So the same way you're going to pick your friend circle, now you got your Ertuğrul and you got your, you know, Uthman and your all these yeah. uh, Turkish shows basically that are coming out. Prophetic mentality podcast, you know. That yeah, yeah, prophetic <laughs> mentality, ex- ex- exactly right. So the, 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 this is what people don't understand is that you know what they say. Okay, well, I put my kid in Islamic school, and I chose good friends for them too, but still somehow this influence. I w- I was restrictive of their friends, but this influence came. What you didn't realize is your good Muslim friends came along and they're sitting there and they're watching all these movies and they're, they're normalizing this behavior and you never did the educational aspect. And w- they, they got the educational aspect. And you're like, no, no, but I regulated it. You didn't regulate it. You didn't realize what they're watching and <coughs> what they're being exposed to. And this is, this is the thing that people don't like to hear. But I, I'm, I'm very pro, um, 
removing uh, mainstream. Uh, what's what's the term? Mainstream like media, 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 yeah. media like when it comes to when it comes to books, when it comes to uh, movies, when it comes to music, all TV shows, TV yeah. show, all of that stuff, right? Music, definitely, no question. Yeah, mainstream yeah. music is just yeah, yeah. horrible. Yeah, e- even books. The, the thing is, people are like, well, I hear this a lot, right? It's like you know what? At least finally, you know, my kid is reading now. I'm so happy that they're not like these other kids that are sitting there addicted to the screen and there's less screen time. They're sitting there reading books. And then you look at the girl and you're like, well, what is she reading? She's reading Fifty Shades of Grey. Lord Almighty. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? I, one, of, one of, this was Ammar Shukri, Sheikh Ammar Shukri. He was like, he was on a bus, the <laughs> bunch of Muslim activists, Muslim activists, to go to like some, uh, I think it was the, the Japanese... Um, in uh, internment uh, uh, trip to like visit the yeah, uh, yeah. You know, memorial or whatever, something like that. It was one of those trips, right? Okay. And he's like hijabi Muslim sisters on the bus reading Fifty, reading 50 Shades of Grey. Wow. And he's like, what in the world? Right? And this is, this, is what I, this is what I found out what Fifty Shades of Grey was. <laughs> this is a long time back when it first came yeah. out. And he's like telling us about it. He's telling me about this. And I'm like, I'm going to look this up. Look up Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it used to be, right? It used to be a fan fiction of um, used to be like a sex, like a sex fan fiction of Twilight. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, she right. edited it and made it a. It was so franchise. popular, it became. <laughs> a, and what's own. funny is when I talk about LGBT and part of my khutbah when I talk about yeah. uh, paraphilia, right? Uh, paraphilia means abnormal sexual desire. So you're talking about like necrophilia, people pedophilia, uh, necrophilia, someone with a dead corpse, death, yeah, dead right? corpse. All, all sorts of weird things. BDSM has been considered a paraphilia for for decades, and it's still there, but it's being normalized now. And Fifty Shades of Grey is one of the top contributors of normalizing BDSM. Right, so it's it's interesting. Pedophilia is also being normalized, and that's being normalized too. With the drag queens, which is I I don't even. What's interesting about drag queens is I I, I saw this post, and I think it's a brilliant comparison. Is it's the black face of women. I mean, think about if I if I were blackface and went somewhere, I'd be condemned, mm. right? But what what is drag? It's it's taking the most extreme features of a woman, dressing up as it and claiming to be a quote unquote woman or dressing as it, right? That's a good point. I mean, it's extremely offensive. And yeah. I think all women should be offended by it. And yeah. the fact that it's being promoted and whatever else it's crazy. On in libraries with kids, it's, oh, yeah, it's crazy. A lot of these uh, drag queens are now like I've seen two three cases where they get arrested for like possession of child pornography or i'm shocking i'm, yeah. like, I'm so shocked <laughs> yeah. turns out this guy like because he's, he's going they're going around with like oh my name is tina or whatever it turns out like this guy's like a registered sex offender his name's like michael like whatever it Shock, is shocking <laughs> again you know? yeah so um but but that that brings us to to another point is that you know this idea of like being a minority and we're like trying to survive yeah. right i think we need to change that narrative too yes when it comes to lgbt the narrative needs to change we're trying to save our society, man. Our society is on a suicide course, mm-hmm. right? You're it, saying it, our American society, our context? Our context. American yeah. society is is being destroyed by the promotion of this ideology. So there's two ways to look at it from a Muslim. It's like, well, it's haram, and I'm going to stay away from it, and I'm just going to resist all the temptations of pressure on me. Allah is going to reward me. But if you flip that around, right? If we look at it from alcohol perspective, <coughs> we don't have this issue. Be like, oh, alcohol is so difficult to avoid. That's one thing. But then you go, Alhamdulillah, man. These people, look at these people doing stupid yeah. things when they're getting drunk, and you know, like you know, a significant portion of like these people's daughters are you know being raped in college because they're drunk or something like that. 
this is the reality of what happens. We say, Alhamdulillah, we don't have any, we, we have the solution for all of the, those ills. We should be doing the same thing with LGBT. We should be looking, and it's a lot easier on the trans issue, on the gender issue. People who undergo surgeries, their suicide rate jumps up like a thousand percent. Oh, they're because they're not accepted them. by society, Shay. That's not the reason. Yeah, and it, it's <laughs> very clear. It's The yeah. evidence is very clear. And there's a massive uh, proportion of people who want to detransition. And when they detransition, I mean, it's they've messed up their bodies. Yeah. It doesn't, you can't. If you took yeah. puberty blockers, it's you're, you don't just hit puberty again at 20, 25. It's just, it's, you're done. Yeah. You messed up for life. You're messed up for life. You're messed and up. And for I mean, yeah. the stats on osteoporosis, so their, their bones, the ones who get these blockers, they've, they've looked at the long term, at least what they can, because it's yeah, very it's new phenomenon. They all, they're suffering osteoporosis at rates like 60 year olds. So their bones are degrading. They're brittle. They, like, they're going to yeah. break a hip like a 60 year old woman will break a hip. And you can't get that back. <laughs> like you know, you know the, the you've seen the documentary "What Is a Woman?" The Matt Walsh. I've one? heard a lot. Of, I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Watched it. Uh, like the point about I, I saw I saw the 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 trailer. I saw the trailer. Yeah. Okay, it it's pretty solid. Um, you know, it's not a Muslim framework, but you know the whole the whole you it's know just exposing this exposing this thing. You know, yeah. it's 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 great. It's perfect. Um, I feel like this is the kind of media and. This is where, like, Muslims should have been making something like that. You know what I mean? Not with the, not with the political spin, but, like, um, we're Muslims. We care about our women. We care about our children. What are we really do? What? How are we contributing to our society to, 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 uh, to inflict this change? Um, you yeah. know, I felt like that. I, I think this, this is probably, this comes back down to our, our beginning discussion. This is why I think people are frustrated with this middle group of people. Yeah, is and you know what? This, this is what we're, we're supposed to be, the ones who are producing this documentary and we're stuck here not even like addressing basic political issues, right? Yes. So, and so we're, we're, we're really far behind on what we should be doing as a community. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I agree. So we, we create a lot of articles, but nobody reads, right? So this no, is a good yes. point. We have to create that type of media. And this is actually why people are saying like Dave Chappelle when he put out that, his latest uh, stand-up. Yeah. And he puts gets a point across that no academic is ever going to be... I mean, he spoke about transgender in a way. No, I don't care how educated Muslim you are. He put it in a way that the average American like, yeah, that makes complete sense. This is crazy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, we can't do that. Like, he, he can speak to an audience at a, at a level. And that's that's media. That's spin. That's doing it in a way that... I mean, I, how he does it, <laughs> which <laughs> he crosses blinds sometimes, right? Yeah. But he did it in a way that we're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. Like, I can write as many articles as I want. You can write as many... Put as many khutbas on YouTube as you want. It ain't, it ain't going to... Tip the needle like this man can do it. Yeah, yeah. Right, and we exactly we have to create a type of media, a type of we need presentation we need, yes, yes, that's digestible yes. to the lay Muslim who doesn't care about anything to watch it and be like, wow, you know, I get it now. Yeah, the but lay Muslim e e talking e to the lay e Muslim. Even leave that aside. Okay, I think the bigger problem is that the people on this spectrum over here, they wouldn't even promote something that was produced like this. That's fine. They don't have to. The, the forget it. Forget the activist side. Yeah, the activist side. No, you you ad, you have ad dollars. There's plenty of Muslims who would who would uh, consume this. Why not consume no, this no. content? No, no. My point is <coughs> right that they won't even support it. Like they won't even support it in the sense that they don't even agree with the fact that this exists. They would be opposed to a video like this, which means that they're off their rocker on this issue. 
That's fine. You right. tell them if you're not going to come to Ikna unless you promote this. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, that's what I'm talking you hurt, about. Yeah. You, you want to you get these people a fun online? You hurt their wallet. I'm serious. No more fundraising on no more fundraisers on your behalf. No more uh, coming to conferences. We're not mentioning your name. We're not going to pass out the flyers. You know yeah. what the response? They'll fall in line I, I, real so quick. I, I've brought, I, this has come up many times. I brought it up with some of these activists, and they said, let's take Ilhan as a perfect example. Said Ilhan, the majority of the Muslim community is not voting for her in her own district. The 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 Muslims in the Muslims in Minnesota. In they, Minnesota. they may vote for her. The other Muslim. There's a, a Muslim against yes. her. They may like her Co- more. Correct. Correct. Or even a non-Muslim. The, the LGBTQ lobbies, you know, voting for her and all of that. So so they're saying, oh well, you know, money is not coming from the Muslim community anyways, and the Muslim community didn't elect her, but they tried to utilize her popularity when she got elected or whatever it is, whatever it's right. That's the response. That's a typical response. I want to respond to this in case someone's watching. That's a typical response. Response coming. Okay. But the response to that is, okay, fine. But then why are we still fundraising for her? If you're saying we don't fund them, we didn't put her into office and we didn't do this, why do we continue to support her, fundraise for her and all of that stuff? Then the response comes back and says, well, that's because the average politician has, and I just talked to a you know senior Muslim activist in this area. I, him, his name I won't, I won't mention. But <laughs> top 10 issues. Every politician has 10 issues, right? And say, well, when we agree with them on 7 out of 10 issues or 9 out of 10 issues, we don't have to agree with 10 out of 10 issues, we go ahead and support that person, right? And I said, okay, I understand the reason. I understand that if you have two candidates in front of you and one of them you agree with 7, seven out of 10, the other one's like 3 out of 10 on Islam. Which one are you going to support? Support the one that's 7 out of 10. They don't have to be 10 out of 10 all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, agree. But my problem, my problem is two. Number one is that Muslim activists, they're going to be like, we should always vote for the Muslim candidate because they're Muslim. I think that's just the stupidest thing ever because it doesn't matter if they're Muslim or they're non-Muslim. If the non-Muslim candidate is Muslim. with you on more Muslim issues, right, more Islamic issues, why would you vote for the Muslim candidate? It doesn't make sense. But we have ingrained within the Muslim community that no, if we get a Muslim into office, it'll somehow normalize Islam and then help our civil rights. Well, you know what? Our civil rights are not the only issue out of the 10 issues. There's other issues impacting our children, impacting our family, impacting foreign policy, impacting Palestine, impacting the Uyghurs, impacting everyone. So the first thing we need to be clear is you don't simply vote for a candidate because they're Muslim. And I, I th- that's dishonest when they say that. What is? We're voting for them because they're, they're Muslim. Look at the Ilhan situation. There's Ilhan, and she has another mu- Muslim Somali yeah. <laughs> person running against her who looks more like hij- her hijab is tighter on her head. Okay? And you don't see any mention from her, from these organizations. Right. None. So it, it, let's call a spade a spade. At some point, it's not about just voting for the Muslim candidate. You're a liberal organization. You lo- you support the liberal. You support the liberal Muslim candidate. Come into the liberal line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what yeah. it is. Yep. yep. So and that was my second point. So you go around my second point. Second point is. Oh, that was the second point. Right, okay. The second second one is you don't just support the Muslim. Number two, you don't you don't just support liberal issues or re- conservative issues because they're being backed by liberals and conservatives. Right. We're going to talk more about this on the abortion issue. Right. But it comes <coughs> back down to the majority of Muslim activists, they've just simply aligned with the left, 100%. And even when they issue voting policies, when it comes to like marijuana or when it comes to this or when it comes to that, they just go with left-leaning politics. And that's it. And it's never supposed to be like that. So they've become associated with the party and understandably why they lean towards that party compared to the other party, 
But it's still wrong because Muslims should not be su- stuck in party politics. Yeah. They should not be stuck in personalities. So, you know, we support this candidate and he's such a great guy. And he said, no, we support this candidate because he's got seven out of ten issues we agree with. Just just be very clear to the Muslim community about, hey, we support, you know, Bill, Bill O'Bob because, you know why? Because he did such and such thing. We don't say Bill O'Bob's a fantastic guy. We love him and we're going to parade him and he becomes a personality cult around them. That's what politics becomes. And I understand that that's, that's sometimes more effective. But when it becomes confusing in the, for, to the Muslim mind. That's about the way to issues, someone's heart. Ex- th- there you go. Th- that's, that's where you need to stop and be like, you know what? To what? What benefit and what harm are we getting from these two things? Yeah. And we need to weigh that. Alhamdulillah. Okay, I think that's a... Uh Oh, no, no, wait, wait. I mean, you want one more? <laughs> just, I, I just want to end on like the practicality of it, too. Because, I mean, this is a lot of theory. And people are at work right now. And they're being pushed by this all the time. Okay. So I'm going to give you a scenario. Yes. I'm, I'm sitting at my desk. And someone's walking around. It's Pride Month. So they're walking around. They're handing out flags. They get to your desk. Is that say, a scenario? Or did that actually happen? This, not I'm to me. Sure this happened. It, it happens. Yeah. It, they, they were doing this at our work, walking around, handing out people walking. So like, if you're just walking about, it was they possible. Give you a pride flag. They come up to you and give you a pride flag. So they're about to give you a pride flag. You're next to your two coworkers. He's giving one. Two, your turn's up. What happens now? You got two options, all right? Depending on your personality type. Option <laughs> number, yeah, it, it comes back down to personality yeah. type. Option number one, be like, no thanks, all right? And then people will be like, well, why not? Oh, so let's talk about it at lunch. That's it. And you have a discussion with them, and you talk to them about it, and you be, you, this is your opportunity now to actually have an open discussion about it. Option number two, you know, they're, they're handing it, and they're walking away. You be like, take it, put it back. And then you just go either you put it in the trash or you give it back to them or something like that. You store it in the trash and you walk away as if it never happened. Yeah. That's it. So it depends on your personality. It's kind of like it's, it's like backbiting. People ask about, you know, someone's backbiting in front of you. What do you do? There's two personality types. One of them is like, you know, what? hey, brother, stop, man. You don't. Allah said not to bat. Not, you're, you're gossiping about this person. Let's stop. Some people don't have the personality to do that. I'm going to feel bad. It's going to be this. So what do you do? You walk away. You go refill your plate and you go to another table. Right, so it depends on the personality. But what you don't do is be like, oh, well, you know, I'm being pressured, and you know, it's so hard being a Muslim in America. Okay, I'll put the uh, the pin on my shirt. Pin on my shirt. Gets more awkward when they're like, okay, now get for a picture. (laughs) 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 And 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 we should look at the role models within our community. There's amazing role models, man. There's uh, there's a sister in our community. She works at uh, uh, Michaels, uh, family friend of mine. She Michaels like. The, the like uh, the our, craft, our store? craft store, craft okay. store, yeah, yeah. So she works there, and she comes in, and they're like, you know, uh, you're gonna be doing a kids' activity today, and she's like, okay, fine, kids' like whatever it is, like, you you gonna be drawing rainbow flags with all rainbows with all the kids. She's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, well, you know, you have to. She's like, no, I don't. I don't. My religion does not support this, so I'm not doing it. And they're like, you're gonna do it. And she's like. No, I'm not. And she walks out. <laughs> That's it. You know, so I mean, some people who have guts like that, they, 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 they do that. And I, I spoke with... Uh, That's some, amazing. I, I spoke that. with some people I care. I'm like, you're going to, you know... You're going to support her? You're going to support her? You're going to support her civil rights or not? You know, are you going to take this on as a discrimination case? And they said, yes, we will. Yes, we will. I, I said, great. So I, I said, do they have the legal right to do this? They said, yes, they do. They have the legal right to do that. And it's, it, it could potentially become like a, the... Uh, masterpiece cake shop you know baking the yeah. cake and all that it could become a potential lawsuit but yes we'll support them and she does have the right to do that so why wouldn't a muslim be like you know what stand my ground 
you know what? I don't, this, this is against my religious values. I cannot promote something like that. And then they're going to respond. They'll be like, don't you res- uh, agree with the right? Don't you believe that uh, gay love people is, have rights to? No, 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 don't you believe gay people have rights? Say, so, you know what? Fine, I believe gay people have rights, but this, I believe, is normalization of homosexuality. It's not about gay rights. And that's what I'm not planning on. That's what my religion doesn't allow me to do. So you want me to, um, you know, wear, uh, have the kids draw like a, a, a joint or draw like alcohol or something like that? I can't do that because my religion is against that. Simple as that. So I, we should support people like that. And, and Muslims need to support each other. Because once some people start standing up, everyone else is going to stand up. And, you know, the great thing is that man, half of this country... They're not down with this stuff, man. But Evangelical Christians, Orthodox Jews, they're not down with any of this stuff, right? So you're not the only teacher at school. You're not the only worker in the in the field who's going to yeah. be like, you're not even really a minority on Prop these things. Prop 8 wasn't right? a landslide in California. Exactly. It was close. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what we need to remember and we need to stop acting as if like, you know, there's nothing we can do. They're a very powerful lobby, no doubt. But you're not alone, right? You're yeah. not alone. And, and, and the crazier they get, I think the more they're shooting themselves in the foot. Oh yeah. Right? The, the 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 amount of pressure that they put this year in the Pride Month, it's going to hurt them in the long run. It's going to be better for us in the long run, yeah. right? And once the the, the trans in uh, sports is like taking off, people are getting pissed off, right? Because yeah. these they're like, this is unfair. How are we supposed to compete against these people? So there's a lot more uh, sympathizers now with the religious cause, with the yeah. religious front. It's a real good opportunity for Muslims to go out there and say we support women's rights. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> back on the scene, man. Yeah. The, tra- the transgender one's also very interesting. I heard another great comparison. So imagine this uh, black girl. She's like seven years old. She goes to school. And she's seeing all the white girls and the white dolls and the white TV shows and white movies. And she comes home. And she goes, "Mom, Dad, I, I want to be white. I think I'm actually. I think I'm a white person. All my friends are white. I act white anyway. I'm a white person. Can you help me get that surgery to become white, like Michael Jackson?" Yeah. And now, yeah, the parents have two options. And let's say they said, "Yeah, you know, we can get you that surgery." How would America react to that? That's so, a, that's a, that actually happened. It's happened. I mean, wait, not on the surgery level, but I know someone uh, identified. Identify is different. No, no, not identify. I'm saying I'm changing myself. I'm going to change it. I'm become white. I'm tired. I hate. Did that actually happen? A surgery wise? You're talking. Well, I don't think there was an activist who believed that she was black. No, 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 no. Not not the activist. There was a girl, a young girl, like seven, eight, or nine, who told her parents, "I don't identify as black. I identify as white." And she wanted to become white, but she's a she's she doesn't. I don't think she'd understand. There's a surgery or something you could put in your skin. So she's like, "Oh, I don't want to identify with black people. Black culture sucks. I want to be white. White people are amazing." So that actually, so, I mean, so what, what's the back a typical backlash from that would be like, wow. I mean, I think black is ugly. That's what I'm saying that I think black is ugly. White is beautiful. I want to be white. I mean, I don't think society woke society today won't accept that. No way. No way. No, because you know, but the uh, interestingly, so what's the parents supposed to do? No, baby, you're beautiful as you are. Let me teach you about black culture. Let me teach you how, who you really are. Exactly. Why? I mean, gender should be, or sex. I don't care. They're the same to us. This should be even more so. I think I'm a girl. No, actually, let me teach you about boys. Let me teach you about masculinity. Let me show you these things and who you really are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I don't know. With race, we would never do it. But with our biological, which is an actual social construct, like the actual <laughs> real made up thing, <laughs> that one we have no, we like never change that. No. But is that biological sex that you're born with? Yeah, we'll change that willy nilly. Who cares? We'll give you the blockers or whatever else. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a good analogy. Alhamdulillah. 
Okay, do we want to, we can put a pause here on the LGBTQ discussion, uh, take a five-minute break, and then we can come back for the abortion topic. Sounds good. Okay, alhamdulillah. We'll probably just actually conclude this episode on the LGBTQ. Jazakallah khair for listening, and tune in to part two for this to uh, the the next hot topic, uh, abortion. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) salamu alaikum.